This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, my dear friends. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here with Jeff Simpson and Terry South. The gang is gathered. It's another day, folks. By the way, it's uh, it's Thursday. Yes. <laughs> And boy, am I tired watching that game. I stayed up late, and then I was wound up. I'm surprised. Uh, I'm surprised you watched a baseball game. Oh, no, I love baseball. Really? Yeah, but I don't I, I don't have time. It's either baseball or Netflix. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? How do you choose? Eight home runs. It was crazy. And it was so fun because we were gathered on my bed with my boys watching the game. Such a father-son moment is your living room broken or well because i was tired so i was starting to go to bed and then when the when the dodgers caught up which time uh the first (laughs) time when they scored two runs to catch up and then i'm like okay i'm they're not gonna do it and then i started going to bed and then my son's like dad and then they hit two more home runs astros did and i'm like okay let's watch this thing it's crazy it's cool they're back for a game. It Tied. was as as disappointed as I am. You can't deny it was a great game. It was a great game. But don't you think it's better? It's going to make a better series. It's going to make it now. Like when they go back to Houston, it's what's going to happen now? What's going to happen? Hmm? Well, it was interesting because they said the Dodgers had the best at home uh, percentage, winning percentage, and the Houston Astros had the best away percentage. Oh wow! Yeah, That's- so. How, how does uh, how do the Dodgers play away? They do all right. How do the Astros play at home? Mm, I mean, not as well. Okay, this but... is going to be exciting. Terry's bored. I'm just Terry's ooh, bored. I'm just a little disappointed. It's not going to be as easy as I hoped. I, no, you don't it was want it easy. I I Plus don't want this, any chances. Can you imagine the hope that that brought for all of the people of Houston? You could almost just hear this excitement. That we learned rumble. yesterday, you're waiting two to four hours online with FEMA to try to get help. But oh, in fine. Houston? Yeah. Houston, Florida, and Puerto Rico. By the way, is FEMA in uh, California now? They should be. Well, post-fire, I mean, how many homes? 5,000 buildings? A lot. 7,000 I saw over ah. the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, FEMA's stretched thin, but, you know. Ah, we got plenty of money. It's not like Puerto Rico. I mean, <laughs> we we're, we're, we got nothing but money. Yeah, it's not Puerto Rico. Yeah, I mean, come on. By the way, today we'll be talking about do tax cuts stimulate the economy? We keep hearing about all these great tax cuts. And really, which group do we need to give the best cut to mm. to actually create the most stimulus? Hmm? It depends on who you're talking to. Yeah. Everyone's but, very self Centered so on this we subject. just decided to talk to an economist who studied it for 30 years. Man. Good idea. Let's just find out what the real facts are. Yeah. And in the end, it actually may not ever pay for itself. No. But it, but it might stimulate the economy in other ways that, that generate other revenues that aren't necessarily going to impact certain uh, Another one that's a po- uh, issue that's a point of conflict is any tax plan that adds to the deficit – yeah, I think that plan. People won't vote. I Cor- uh, Corker, Senator Corker, who's been very there we go uh, against the president as of late. Yes, for the president before, but whatever. Yeah, he uh, he is saying he will not vote for anything that adds to the deficit. Nothing. Nothing. 
So he's not going to vote for a tax plan that adds to the deficit, and the one they're pushing forward is adding to the deficit. But they're saying that it's going to stimulate the economy so it'll help erase whatever whatever initially it adds to. It'll erase with the growth. Well, we'll ask our great economist if that's really going to happen. Does that happen? I mean, apparently we'll get trillions of dollars of money from offshore accounts. Right, that'll be flooding back Allegedly. into America. I mean, they don't four have to. Trillion dollars, President Trump said. Four. Tr- that's a lot of money. Yeah, he's worth three hundred and something billion. As he just, says, it could just, be. Ah. It could be a hundred and twenty. You don't know. Could be one. He sued, billion. A, he sued a man who wrote that he was worth one hundred twenty million, and lost. He, President Trump lost. The other guy was bound by some court. You know, he can't talk can't about it. Can't bring it, it up yeah, again. Yeah. Oh, boy. He's a columnist for Bloomberg now. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> There's another Democrat. So who knows what's going on out there? <laughs> How crazy. Life is crazy. But you know what? It's good to be alive. Um, I, I have to make this announcement. Mm. Now I've got to find it. Oh. So uh, the DEA called. Really? Like drug enforcement? Mm-hmm. They didn't call. Oh, I was like, whew. But um, the DEA is doing, because we hear about all the, the opioid epidemics, mm. all of these uh, prescription drug problems going on. Yes. So this Saturday, October 28th, from oh, yeah. 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., there's the drug, uh, what's it called? What are the Take Back program where you can take any unwanted drugs out of your drug cabinets and drop it off at uh, locations around the country. Yes. And they will take your drugs. I saw a, hor- really? mm-hmm. I saw a horrible commercial with uh, NFL quarterback Matthew Stafford yeah. standing Flacco, there very stiff. Doing now. He's like, I'm Matthew Stafford from the NFL's. Detroit Lions, if you have drugs, you can drop I mean, he's trying to do his part, but it's, it's really almost, bad. He sounded like, the way you just impersonated him, he sounded it, like he it was looked having like, a It looked like issue. a hostage hmm. tape, really. Matt. But go ahead. Now, but, do they do they want cause. our expired drugs, yes. too? Give, All of it. Give wow. me your tired, your... You're weak. You're hungry, longing to be free drugs. People people think they can just flush these things and get you know flush them on the toilet, but then it like contaminates our water supply. Well, all of a sudden, we have all these that's drugs. And usually, things, so. only done in in the heat of the moment. You well, know, yeah. in a raid. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean people once you, like once they, they start banging the door down. People do. My mom used to do that where you had like yeah. pills. Well, then and, it ruins our yeah our water yeah. supply. This isn't now good, my mom's going to say she's never done that. Not your mom. Is, this You're, is like the only segment they listen to. Of the you show. were giving a hypothetical. Yeah, I just used my mom as that proxy for all yeah. the generic moms. Mother, <laughs> how many, might flush her drugs down? The how many times were the cops at your door? No, oh, they were like <laughs> they, supplements. I can't remember what the they cops were. were there so often that they um, had an open door policy. Yeah. <laughs> We had a seat at the table. Come <laughs> on, guys. Dinner's so, hot. So all you've got to do is go to DEA.gov, and then you can look up um, the locations in your area and know where to go drop them off this Saturday. They'll be at, like, city halls and yep. that kind of thing. And, but but you've got to be so careful that you go to the right place. Yeah. <laughs> or you're, going to, be you're admitting, going to create big problems. Admitting to things maybe you're not ready to... Dude, I was just sitting there, and this family pulled up in a van. So if we have some of the more hard-hitting drugs, we might want to choose a different outlet. Vacant field and fire probably be the best. No, you can't. But that that eventually will end up in our system, in our water system. Not like in a field. Yeah, it will, it will. It will leach. But but at that that moment, you're trying to avoid prison. Right, so maybe self-preservation over what's better for the, the society in general. I mean, no, okay. Just... It's, it, the deal is, 
they're finding these drugs in our yeah in our, our water, supplies. water supplies. Yeah, it's like Batman Begins. You got to be careful. Yeah. It, and by the way, it doesn't matter if they're coming in through your body to our right. water supplies, right? Or just through the ground. They're coming in, right? I mean, Bane taught us a lot in that movie. Yeah, you guys are. Um, you mean Raz Al Ghul? Was it Raz? Yeah. Didn't Bane try to? No, Bane tried to. No, Bane took Raz down Al Ghul and the Scarecrow. You're right. They were okay. Sorry. Wasn't Raz on a sitcom in the? That was the bailiff on Night Court. Yeah, Raz. Yeah, sorry. I love that show. <laughs> It's different than Ra's al Ghul. Different, yeah. yeah. Oh, good times. Hey, let's get to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what should we be paying attention to other than the DEA? So yesterday we were talking about how uh, President Trump said our 401k contributions were safe. Oh, yeah. Right now, the, the limit you can do per year is 18000 They were talking about, I don't know, dropping into 2400 Yeah, that's... Quite a big drop. Huh? President Trump yesterday said, he goes... It's fine. We're not going to let that. No one's going to touch that. That's not part of the deal. Well, on Wednesday, one of those negotiators, in fact, one of the most influential ones, suggested otherwise, reports Washington Post. Kevin Brady, who chairs the House Tax Writing Committee, indicated lawmakers were indeed considering changes to the rules surrounding popular retirement accounts, 401ks. Likewise, the Senate Chief Tax Writer, Orrin Hatch, who I doubt actually writes... Much of no, what no, no, no. Gets Didn't out you, there. He stays up late at night writing taxes. Nah, he's got people. He says that he doesn't have any problem looking at everything. Much is in flux, and more will be known when Brady and his House colleagues reveal their broad proposals next week. But the upshot seems to be that the future 401k contributions may not be as safe as Trump suggested. Oh man! Yeah, Are you I'm never gonna me? never gonna reach four hundred and one thousand dollars. That's right. That's not the 401. That's not how that works. Oh, it's right in the name. I think once you reach it, then they match it, right? You get you rack up 401, then then they match it. 802K. Yeah, you are in for a really ugly surprise. (laughs) Uh, President Trump on Wednesday claimed he did not specifically authorize the military option in Niger that resulted in four soldiers dead. The botched mission has come under intense scrutiny as questions emerge over how four men uh, four men died and why they were ambushed by armed militants affiliated with the Islamic State. Asked whether he greenlit the operation, Trump said, no, I didn't. Not specifically, but I have generals. They're great generals. They are great fighters. These are warriors. I gave them authority to do what's right so that we win. I want to win, and we're going to win. Okay, so let me get this mm. straight. Yeah, good. He apparently is in possession of some generals that are his. They're great generals. They're my generals. They're great fighters. They're they're my fighters. Great warriors. They're my great warriors. Yeah. And they're going to win, 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 win. Yeah. And early early on in the administration, he kind of they had a there was a mission to rescue. It was a hostage situation, an American, or get some intelligence, something of that nature, yeah. and it was botched, and someone died. That was like in the first few weeks of the okay. administration. Yeah. After that, all these types of secret mission type thing. He just lets the generals take it because then I didn't greenlit it; they did. Oh, those guys did it, right? So the responsibility in Is, previous administrations was with the president to do, do yeah. these type of clandestine yeah. sort yeah. of operations. And he they take that's it. Somebody else, so that when it goes wrong, my generals do it. Is it generals? Yeah. A lot of the media were talking about how he uses this the possessive terms. Yeah. Like he owns these people. Now, speaking of the media, President Trump yesterday said that he feels they treat him too harshly. Yeah. And he gave some examples as to why you should like him more, why the media should like him more in our in this drop here. I went to an Ivy League college. 
I was a nice student. I did very well. Uh, I'm a very intelligent person. There you go. So 50 years ago, he went to college. <laughs> Is that why we should, why, we as a public, we as the media, should we like he President He didn't go to Trump college. Or? He went to the Wharton School of he Business. He went to an Ivy League oh, excuse college. Me. Right. Didn't he go to Hogwarts? He had a stint there. Oh, that's a high school. That, yeah, that's a different, that's a different wizard. Um, the the deal though yep. is it seems like you wouldn't need to bring up these things. I mean, hmm. you're the president of the United States right. standing at the White House, right? You can hear the helicopter with a, behind your him. helicopter hover getting ready to take off behind you, yeah. and you're about to fly to your seven forty seven, yeah. most powerful man on the earth, and you brought up that they should like me because I went to an Ivy League school, yep. really intelligent. Mm-hmm. By the way, never trust a person that tells you how intelligent they are. He's really smart. <laughs> That's what Grandma used to teach me, and then. Um, I, it, why is he talking he, he about also, that? He also, in that exchange there in front of the helicopter, said that your 401k is safe, and then the very next breath said everything's on the table. Hmm. Yeah. So kind of backtracking and confirming what he said yesterday. It, the one thing about on. him here is that he, he stopped, which no president really does, hmm. takes questions from the media, and then yeah. stood there for 15 minutes he did. answering questions. Right. Well, maybe he means it's safe and on the table Kind of like uh, a certain vegetable that my girls don't like. They're not going to take it. So it's just going to stay on the table. It's safe. It's It's not going anywhere. Hey, uh, by the way, just this is breaking news on CNN. Um, In case you didn't know it, there is an opioid epidemic. And uh, President Trump will officially declare the opioid epidemic a public health emergency later today. It will be officially Declared, which now there will be federal funding for it. And what was the what was the next level of declaration he could have made that his staff they were trying to convince him to make it? Mm. Uh, I don't know. Maybe a near public health emergency. No, a an almost public health worry. Speaking of that, yes. Uh, so Trump, as we said, will order the opioid crisis. They're going to declare it. A public health emergency stopped short of declaring it a more sweeping state of national emergency. There you go. Oh, so it's not a state of na- national emergency. The reason emergency. is it depends on how much funding goes to the problem. Yeah. If it's the next one that he's not declaring, it's declared a national problem. Yeah. Not, it's the just state it's an emergency. So they'll figure it problem. out. Also, as of yesterday, the Assistant Homeland Security Secretary for Mental Health and Substance had not spoken to the White House at all about this. And the CDC principal deputy director says that she was out of the loop on any information about this. Oh, so the people in charge of this uh, haven't DEA, been talking to the, the, the spokesperson for the DEA said she had no information but added the agency will be involved to some extent. Okay. With the opioid crisis. So those three organizations might want to be involved. You know, but... you know what? Hey, it's comforting to know they're on it. <laughs> it's comforting to know that two of the three yeah. agencies were uh, now, notified. he has today. mentioned this three times now. And each time he's like, yeah. next week, and then the week comes, yeah. nothing happens. In two weeks, next month, and then yeah. he said it again, and then now we finally have something. Yeah. All but, while using this, as all politicians did, as a way to get elected, saying, I'm going to help you in your, the, this crisis that's ravaging your neighborhoods. And, yeah. Yeah. And finally, yeah. in uh, Honolulu, they passed a law yesterday. Anyone looking at their phone as they cross the street 
<laughs> will be fined up to $35 for the first offense. Subsequent offenses will cost $75 and then up to $99. The exceptions, if you're communicating with 911 at the time or if you're an emergency responder performing your official duties. Hold on. Pedestrians can still talk on phones or listen to music while crossing the street. So if it's up to your head and you're walking, that's fine. If you had headphones in, that's fine. But you can't just be scrolling through some website on your phone or they will find you. Uh, so you're going to have to get really good at texting next to your ear. Yeah, right, right. Um, I'm assuming they're doing this to protect the people yeah. that don't realize that this is a threat. They've had some accidents. So they're trying yeah. to avoid those in the future. I mean, uh, is it not better to just, you know, let them go? You're talking about like the whole like thinning the herd concept? Uh-huh. Yeah. I saw a guy yesterday doing it. I think we call it. it culling. Yeah, yeah. I like the thinning. Uh, there are two law- two similar laws pending in two states in the U.S. They're thinking about this. Rexburg, Idaho banned the practice in 2011 after five pedestrian deaths were recorded in a short period of oh, time wow. in the town. There have been no more pedestrian deaths since. Research shows that if someone is staring at their phone as they're across the street, they're 18% slower than someone who just walks across the street. That's a great – that's a great – I would say – not multitask. I would say that research is false because people get on their phones and they are just crawling basically across oh. the streets. Get out of the crosswalk. Weren't they watching Netflix as they were compiling that data? Probably. As someone who almost died in a crosswalk. You tripped and fell. I tripped and you fell. You were not distracted other pride, than – No, I was waving your, to a lady. Your yeah, pride well, almost died. My pride did die. <laughs> I, in fact, <laughs> I didn't want to get into this, but yesterday, Uh-oh. two days ago, I went back to the scene of the crime. Was it tough? Yeah. To revisit? It was traumatic. Mm. Like I stood at the corner about to cross the very crosswalk that brought me down. Mm. Did you gather any new evidence or is it long gone? I did gather some evidence. I Take a picture? I, I found the pothole. Is it still there? It's not really much of a pothole. Oh, wow. More of a it's, divot? It's a, it's, it's a rise. Okay. It's just a little rise. Mm. It's, there's a little hole. Not a hole. Mm. An indentation. So are you more embarrassed now that it's not as dramatic as you sold it before? Fake, fake news, if you will. No, I didn't sell anything. Which apparently is something President Trump invented, as he yeah. said in an interview recently. No, I'm not embarrassed. Okay. I, I just, I just wonder if people that don't know that the phone thing needs to be put away. It I don't is, think a law is going to change it. Well, I mean, once they start enforcing it, yeah, maybe. How are they going? They're going to have cops sitting at crosswalks. If they now? see it, it's the same thing as if you're driving and you're using your phone. But the if cop you're a cop, sees it. if you're a cop and you're yeah. driving through the city and mm-hmm. some guy's walking with his phone, are you actually going to go pull over? Are you going to say, what, you know what, life will take care of itself? What they're here. told to do? Why not? You have the ability to block traffic, to park any which way you want. Hey, but wouldn't, wouldn't, you, just, oh, wouldn't yeah. you just go? Wouldn't you just hit your siren? Boop, boop. And then wow. the guy will be like, "That's pretty good. Thank you. Have you then, been there before? Oh yeah, I used personal to, experience. I used to drive an ambulance. Well, that's not a police car. And they wouldn't let us. It's an ambulance. They wouldn't let us use the siren they as much them, as we wanted to. They so call we them had the bus. Hey, before it. we go to break, I should mention something that I am shocked that Terry did not bring up himself. What involving the game last night? What the first base or the a base was stolen during the game which means that on November 1st from 2 to 6 p.m. Taco Bell will be giving away a free Doritos Tacos Locos to everyone in America. Are you kidding me? 
Cameron Mabin. Because of him, everyone will get a free taco on November 1st from 2 to 6 p.m. Boy. Thank you, Cameron. Is that his name? Yeah. Hey, um, did you also see that umpire get hit by that ball? That's another thing. That's one. There were so many moments in that game where it's like, oh, if only that was different, maybe this would have been different. There are so yeah. many what-ifs because had he not been in the way, the ball would have been thrown into center field and Kike Hernandez would have made it to third base. Yeah. But, but You never know. As Diego Maradona said, that's the hand of God. Really? It was the hand of God that scored his goal that won something. So we should really thank God no. that we're getting this taco, this free taco no, from I, Taco I Bell. Think that, I think the umpire out there at second base, <laughs> he stopped the ball. They, really, he's the one that should be getting us the tacos because that was a really brave thing to do, to take a throw like that. Well, he didn't take the throw. No, he took it. He took it. He tried to get out of the way of yeah. the throw. Oh, we always try to get out of the way, but we take it. Like when I fell in the crosswalk, I tried to not fall. I tried to outrun my fall, but I took it. I took it like a man. And now we're having to take it. Yep. Take that. Ah, so much fun. Hey, up next, we're going to be talking about uh, tax cuts. We, we hear about all these tax breaks. But do they actually do what they say they're going to do? Do tax cuts stimulate the economy? That's up next right here on The Matt Townsend Show. While campaigning, President Trump promised to boost the economy by both cutting taxes and investing more in infrastructure. Currently, the focus seems to be on tax cuts with a new tax reform plan announced uh, and to be released uh, very quickly. Um, In the meantime, infrastructure investment remains on the back burner. But do tax cuts actually stimulate the economy more than spending, for example, on infrastructure would? Which would be the best way to stimulate the economy? Giving us a tax cut? Where, you know, everybody apparently or supposedly is going to make about – the middle class would make about $4,000 more in tax savings. Um, Well, we're we're here to talk to a pro about it. Joining us to talk about it is economist Dale Cloninger. Dale is a professor emeritus of economics and finance at the University of Houston, Clear Lake. Uh, Professor Cloninger, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Hey, and congrats to the Astros last night. Hey, yes. Would you believe that at the uh, top of the ninth inning, I, I w- went to bed? Oh, no, Dale, you missed the best part. Yeah. Oh. I, I spent the first 30 minutes this morning reading about it. Was it surprising or what? That's cool. Yeah. Right, right, right. It's got to be great for what yeah. for your – just for the, the, the spirit of Houston probably needs it. Yes, well, right. And by the way, so do so does the spirit of – California after the fires. Hey, talk to me, uh, Dale, about um, we we always hear. I, I guess from Reagan on, we've been hearing the the power of tax cuts to you know to stimulate the economy. Is 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 this is is that true? Because it seemed like the country went into a deep debt after Reagan. Well, yes, but that was primarily because that he also had a, a vast. Spending uh, military buildup. Yeah. Okay. And, and so that uh, that heavy expenditure. Now, always, whenever you have any kind of meaningful tax cut, that uh, government revenues are going to take a hit in the the first year 
or so. Uh, so you have to really look at what happens over an extended period of time. And so uh, uh, in, in my class that I used to teach uh, at the university that I had graduate students do research projects, and one of those projects was to uh, trace what happened to the amount of revenue that uh, upper-income people paid as a result of the Reagan tax cuts. And uh, over the years, a number of students took on that topic, and every last one of them came back with the result that uh, after the, the first year that the amount of revenue collected from upper-income people uh, rose each year despite the fact mm. that their tax rate had been cut drastically. So it does it does bring in more revenue. Well, it does after the first year because the question was, you know, oh well, this is a big tax cut for the rich, but it it, it, it appears that way only at first. Uh, but the revenue collected from them did nothing but rise for the next six to eight years afterwards. Hmm. Is it are so are tax cuts a better way to generate income and revenue for the government than uh, than maybe a, than some spending on infrastructure would? Well, uh, according to a study that uh, some students did uh, not too many years ago, uh, that we looked at what happens when you cut taxes versus what happens when you raise spending. And as a result, we found out that at least for the middle-income groups, that's uh, the sort of the second, third, and fourth uh, quintiles, uh, that sort of hump in the middle, that we found out that the estimative effect of uh, cutting their taxes was greater than if you spent an equivalent amount of money in terms of government spending. Oh, interesting. So but, so uh, cutting taxes on the middle class is actually better, it generates, I guess, more uh, money long-term than would spending the same amount of money on infrastructure. Right. And it comes quicker uh, that infrastructure spending, of course, you know, there's a long delay. You have to sure. plan, budget, contract, and then construct. And so uh, that sort of draws out over a long period of time. And uh, it doesn't mean infrastructure spending is not important. It is because it has long-term benefits itself. But it, they take a while to uh, bear fruition, whereas the tax cuts are somewhat immediate. And something that many people forget is that uh, with a tax cut comes a change in people's expectations about the future uh, and a change in their incentives. So uh, tax cuts have both uh, an effect on uh, people's future uh, and uh, the impact, the, the immediate impact. Is I guess that's why we see the GOP has decided to to lead with the taxes and the tax cuts first, and they'll deal with infrastructure in a year or two. Yes, uh, uh, Congress it seems uh, incapable of taking on more than one task <laughs> at a time. That's right. Do you do you sense then a tax cut for the middle class is is kind of the sweet spot for tax cuts? I, I guess in in being able to. Um, show a return versus having tax cuts for the the um, the lower income class or the the wealthy. Okay, now we were just looking at now federal income tax cuts. Okay, okay? yeah, and that uh, the people at the at the lower levels that say we'll call it the first quintile of uh, households 
Well, they don't pay any taxes, so a tax cut is not going to do any good, you know, to them. Or it, it won't help the economy to cut their taxes because right. they're already paying zero. Uh, so, it, it, but it does seem to have a, a pronounced effect for people whose incomes are above them. But it seems to the effect seems to diminish as you go up the income scale. What? So. Uh... Why do we then keep pushing for tax cuts for the rich? Well, I don't know. I guess politics. You characterize that we're pushing for It's just that it's all part and parcel of tax reform. That is, if you're going to tax uh, reform, uh, then it's going to impact virtually you know all income groups hmm. except those that don't pay any taxes. Right. So. Uh, it, it, it would be rather awkward, although not impossible, to, you know, to come and have significant tax cuts for those in, in the middle income, uh, but then, uh, you know, make it uh, a higher tax for, say, those in the upper income groups. There's, there's a balance that sort of has to be struck in, in your tax structure. That is, you, you, you can't have a lot of people paying low taxes and, and then a few people paying very high taxes. Uh, and as it is, you know, uh, we have to be reminded every once in a while that those in the upper 10% of the income group pay 70% of the income taxes. Right. So uh, so anyhow, you have to have kind of a balanced approach, that if you're going to have tax reform, uh, or that includes some kinds of tax cuts, that it would be, uh, well, I would be uncomfortable uh, doing it for for one group, but but not another. That uh, I still think a balance is important. Do I know we've heard about a millionaire tax, where maybe they create another tax bracket for millionaires? Have you heard much about that, and did, what impact would that have, if any? Well, yes, I've just heard something recent. That's sort of an idea that's popped up here recently. I think that was uh, thought of in order to try to attract a few Democratic senators. Mm. Uh, to, to vote for tax reform. Uh, but that's, you know, kind of up in air. Uh, I, I don't have any data to uh, report, you know, as to what would be the effect of that. But I suspect it would be somewhat less than what it is for the middle class. Yeah. Is it I, – I, I sometimes worry about when they're trying to project the impact these numbers would have. I've heard something like – the current plan would be like a $1.4 trillion net loss over 10 years um, or deficit. I, don't, I can't remember what they were calling it. But is how accurately can we project the impact of these things? Not very. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the Congressional Budget Office because they their, their estimates, in my opinion, uh, tend to be – Somewhat off, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I I just don't I don't trust them, um, simply because uh, number one of the way that they uh, make their projections, uh, they used to rely very heavily and and still do on what is called static analysis. They you know they go on well if you cut taxes by ten percent, well then revenue is going to go down by ten percent. You know, uh, uh, yes that may happen uh, as I said in the early years, but as in the Reagan era, is that that first year that tax revenues did fall after the tax cut, but in years after that, tax revenues rose. Now, a lot of people like to 
say, well, uh, the increase in tax revenues will pay for the tax cut. Uh, that's not the point. Uh, the, the, the tax cut is there not to increase uh, government revenues, but it's there to stimulate the economy, creating more jobs and higher incomes for everybody. So really, you can use your tax um, – you can use your tax uh, methodology, your tax formula to, to, to literally stimulate or slow down the economy. Oh, yeah. Is that well, – but is, I guess a lot of us would think that's – now you're really messing with it. Well, the uh, – my uh, – Main complaint over the the last eight years is that the previous administration tried everything they could to keep the economy rolling or to improve it, but they tried everything but tax reform and tax cuts. You know, they tried expenditures went up significantly. You know that the deficit doubled in mm, the last right. eight years, uh, and and so but the economy is still or up until the first of this year, we're still rolling along at less than 2% uh, growth each year, which is disastrous. That is that uh, in order to have a viable economy and and even contribute something uh, to reducing income inequality, you need significant economic growth, and that means something above 3%. Right. And and so by, I guess, lowering taxes, that's one way to get – the growth up uh, maybe above 3% again. Right, because the idea is to give people uh, uh, an incentive uh, to uh, produce more, and I, I mean people and businesses, Yeah. Uh, to, to produce more and, and to uh, uh, come up with, of course, new ideas, new, new technology. You have a greater incentive for them to, uh, to do that. And that, uh, of course, the tax cuts will, will stimulate all kinds yeah. of spending. And, and all of that contributes towards uh, uh, gross domestic product and hopefully uh, an increase in its rate of growth. You know, um, we, we hear, too, and help me understand how this all fits in just for the lame person, layman that I am, um, that all of a sudden, too, we're going to be able to bring some of the money that's been held offshore because of our tax laws. All these businesses are going to bring back a lot of the money that they've been holding offshore. Trillions of dollars could flood into our uh, economy, according to the president. I mean, is is that a realistic uh, concept? Is I mean, we hear about it. I think even the stock market's hoping for it. What impact would that really have on businesses? Well, the whatever the amount of money is, and it is measured in the trillions overseas, it's being held overseas by American firms and uh, foreign banks, that w- whatever uh, it's doing o- over there, uh, that it could do more here. Hmm. That is, uh, some people argue, well, what, what is bringing it back going to do? Well, I tell you what, it's not doing uh, our economy any good just sitting over there in banks either. So the idea is to bring it back home. Well, some people, you know, are fearful of this. And, well, all that's going to happen is uh, shareholders or corporate executives are going to increase their perks and just to take more money and it's not going to filter down to the average person. Uh, that's really not true because uh, those funds, like money, are fungible. That it, it really doesn't matter what they are put to use here in this country is those funds then 
become available to us to support programs uh, and growth here in the United States. And it's been tried once before. I think uh, shortly after, the, or maybe as part of the Reagan tax, because they, they also had like a, a, a one year or a year and a half. Uh, like a moratorium. A time yeah. if, if, if which, uh, when companies brought back the money, that they, they would get a break. They would get a discount. Hmm. And, and a ton of that money was brought back. Interesting. And, 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 and it did have a, a significant stimulus effect. So what will happen is that may be brought back, and it will be put to work doing all sorts of things. Will corporate executives uh, increase their own pay in purse? Probably. <laughs> will they uh, in, in, increase uh, uh, incomes or wages for workers? Probably. Will, will dividends to shareholders go up? Probably. Yeah. Uh, and so there's just a lot of things that, that could happen as a result of that money being here as over there. As long as it's over there, it's, it's going to provide zero uh, effect for us. And I, over here, it, it's going to provide a, a significant boost. Of course, it would be a one-time boost Yeah, is what we're talking about. But I guess, too, they'd be investing that money in other money-making projects, I'm assuming, yeah. anything oh, to I increase guess, the money. That's what corporations are in the business uh, to, to do. It's to produce goods and services. And, and this, I believe that they would bring that money back here and bury it somewhere, you know, is it, it, unrealistic. They, they would use it to modernize and expand. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and all that is, of course, beneficial for our economy. So yeah. uh, uh, to me, uh, cutting the corporate tax rate and bringing those funds back to this country, which is all sort of part and parcel, the same things, is, is basically an economic no-brainer. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I'm so glad we've been able to talk to you, Dale, because it, it clarifies a lot. I think for just the layperson out there, they hear about tax cuts. They hear that we're going to be jumping into 401ks maybe and getting rid of those deductions. Some state income tax deductions won't be available or threats out there as well. So to have you help us cut through some of these uh, these issues, I think it's really important. Uh, Dell Cloninger is his name. He wrote a wonderful article in theconversation.com. He is the professor emeritus of economics and finance at the University of Houston, Clear, Clear Lake. He's also an Astros fan, even though he uh, happened to be asleep last night when they when they took over and beat the Dodges. Great, uh, great insight. We will uh, we'll continue this journey, folks, on the show, uh, doing what we can to help you see your life, hopefully with a little more hope, also a little more clarity as you try to make it through another day of beautiful October. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Because life doesn't come with a handbook, you need a coach. Here's Dr. Matt and his coaching corner. Welcome back. You know, uh, one thing I feel like we are learning from the president of the United States is if there if there's anything that that President Donald Trump is, he is he is just himself. He doesn't. I mean, I think he actually does care if you like him. I think he actually cares a lot. That's why he might keep trying to impress us by bringing up a lot of old things that, you know, we may not care about, like his Ivy League education, his intellect, his IQ, all of these things. But um, one thing he is, is he's pretty authentic to him and himself. He he is true to himself. 
Uh, he may not be true to other, you know, ideologies. A lot of a lot of presidents were very driven by, a, a, you know, an ideology, a way of thinking that was, um, you know, immovable, unchangeable. I'm going to keep doing this this way. But I, I've noticed that a lot of people have kind of this authenticity crisis going on where they they and you'll hear this a lot with people. I hear it a lot in my office. And as I'm out coaching and working with people, um, that we have to be true. So, you know, I just have to be true to myself. So I just I, – I've, I finally had this thing go off in my head and I just have to be true to myself and I'm going to now be authentic. And that's a phrase you hear a lot, be your authentic self. Um, one of the things I've been doing is studying a lot about that because – I, I see it with clients, and I want to figure out a way if I can help them on their journey to self-discovery. And one of the things I found out is many times when you hear somebody talking about their authentic self and being authentic and being true, it actually correlates with a lot of research on people that don't want to be controlled, <laughs> people that are tired of being told what to do, maybe people that have been raised in a, in a certain way and they've been tired of having to do something they don't want to do. So then they go find this phrase, this this idea that I've got to be true to myself. And it's it's great. I mean, remember Hamlet, Shakespeare wrote it, to thine own self be true. Um, but he, he added a, another part to the quote that might help all of us as we're making this journey to find out who we really are. Uh, Remember the full quote in Hamlet um, that uh, is this quote. He says, This above all, to thine own self be true, and it must follow as the night the day, thou canst not be false to any man. Um, You need to be true to everyone, but you also have to be true to yourself. So one of the rules I would just have you be thinking about as a little coaching advice for you about going on this journey of trying to figure out who the real you is and and who you're going to be true to is make sure you're clear on which self is the real you. Because remember that, and I teach this a lot, that we have a body, we have a mind, and we have a spirit, and our bodies have feelings, and our mind has feelings, and our spirit has feelings. Uh, The body makes you feel hungry, tired, and anxious, and frisky sometimes. Your body's just yearning for a party. The mind, however, has different feelings. Maybe some of your fears, your insecurities, your doubts. Your mind might be the thing that makes you feel better than everyone else or worse than everyone else. You feel like the champion, the best, or the loser. And those are very real feelings that can drive you to make decisions in your life that may not be the decisions you want to have. And then there's a spirit, uh, I believe, that really is what's your essence that's running you. And that spirit also has spirit. Uh, or uh, has a has a feeling associated feelings of hope and peace and integrity and confidence and and just strength so if you spend a lot of time trying to convince your mind of how important you are or if you really truly have this incredible moment where you buy into some cause and that cause becomes your identity be careful uh, causes are great. They're powerful. But your identity is more than any one cause. As human beings, we're very complex beings, and we are more than just the one thing that makes us different, right? Uh, whether it's your religion, your ethnicity, your sexual identity, uh, your gender, your whole life purpose 
it's got to be deeper than just highlighting your one distinctive feature. You're a whole being. And what that might mean is you might be a great advocate for any part or any one of those differences in you, but you also can be an advocate in a way that you don't have to tear everyone else down. We can lift everyone else up. I can understand more if I can just get more into my spirit than in my mind. So make sure as you're out there trying to find the real self and being authentic to you that you're not just being authentic to the drive of your body or to the inclinations of your mind. Make sure you're being authentic to the spirit that deep, deep, deep down is the thing that, that's been living much longer than this life and will live much longer than this life. So at some point, we almost have to hush ourselves and listen for the real spirit behind the law, right? I mean, not to get all preachy, but come on. There's more to us than that. Uh, there's more to us than any one thing. And you see it in our world where I, we have so many people out there advocating for their great positions, and very few people are listening. And a lot of people are mad when there's no need to be mad. There's no need to be mad. Let's just understand. Let's understand what's going on in the news instead of always reacting to it. Anyway, a little Coach's Corner for you, a little fun. And uh, we will continue the journey, giving you the latest, the greatest, the insights you need to help you live a healthier, happier life. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends. Uh, You know, a little uh, sad news. Apparently, movie prices are going up, costing you more to go to a movie? Depends. On on if you're willing to buy a movie buddy pass like Jeff has? Well, that's one way. The problem is not as many people are going to see movies. Yeah. So you go into a theater... It'll be opening weekend, and I'll, I'll be in a theater opening weekend quite a bit, and you just see empty seats. Yeah, well, you're alone but, in there. But then, you, but then you go and you hear when the weekend's over and they've, you know, all kinds of box office records have been set. I'm like, I'm sitting in an empty theater. Yeah. How is this? They're just, there's not enough people. The number of people going in certain areas is, is pretty high. Other places, it's low. And overall, it's not the same, and there's less people going. So right. they're trying to figure out ways to, one, encourage people to go, but two, also make up revenue. Okay. Right? So the, the movie pass concept. That's one way. That's one way. This way is the other way where you try to recover the, the missing money. Regal Cinemas. I, I, I This caught my eye because they just built one near my home. Sounds mm. regal. They're testing demand-based pricing for films, potentially leading to higher prices for top hits, lower prices for flops, and a big change for the industry that typically uses a one-size-fits-all approach. Well, how, how do well, they know? What do you mean? They just know the demand. So when the ticket sales go up, the prices go up. Yeah. Won't that be an indicator, though, like, oh, this movie's not going to be any good because it doesn't cost very much? And couldn't couldn't we as viewers just say, nobody go to the movies? Oh, yeah, yeah. And drop them. And then let's go in order. A's, everybody with the A name, go first. They're, uh, <laughs> go they're calling it dynamic pricing. Yeah. Right, because you've got to give it a nice name. I've heard it called dynamic gouging. Could be. Okay. Mm. Regal plans to test the concept in early 2018, see if it boosts revenue and fills more seats at non-peak times. So middle of the day, oh, maybe the prices sure. are lower versus seven o'clock at night. Yeah. Worse. So for those of you that you know don't have a life, I always hit the matinee. I, I love a good matinee. 
They just need to do what Utah does and have the $5 Tuesdays. Maybe that would help. Fly into Utah and come use one of our $5 Tuesdays. (laughs) Now, Regal Cinema is the second largest chain in the United States. Are they really? Which is interesting because I've seen one and it's. There are a lot in California. Okay, okay. Is is the problem the pricing or is the problem all of these pre trailers and trailers? Could be. Now we have tra- like uh, Taylor Swift putting out her new single. Oh, wow. And she had a trailer on YouTube for her new single. Really? Yeah, it's like 16 seconds. So the seconds trailer long. lasts as long as the song, pretty much. <laughs> That's great. No, no, no. It's only 16 seconds. Okay. Yeah. It's a mini trailer. It's like it's just a little... Which is something she's trailer. not familiar with, I'm sure. No. She's oh, got no. a full-size trailer. Well, I mean, that's... Uh, yeah, she's got she's got the big trailer. I guess that's good news, you know. Now you can just get a deal if you want to go at noon. A little matinee. Good insight. Fun learning. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us in the journey, helping you be the good in the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the show. Happy Thursday to you. Terry South, Jeff Simpson, Dr. Matt here. The gang is gathered to uh, help you get through another day. Today's Thursday, which means... It's television day. I'm always excited for te- my television day because I get to wear makeup. Television day? Every Thursday. Oh, I thought you meant like must-see TV Thursday. No, that was last night. Must-see baseball. Oh, right. Right? And that that is, game. Uh, it's and You know, that's the, there's a neat story where you're watching the baseball game. You, the Dodgers could win or lose because they're, everyone's pounding the ball like crazy. And then... You know, your spouse might say, "Hey, let's have family. Let's have family time." <laughs> With one strike to go, you're like, "No, no, 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 no." Hold on. Was that when? Was that when? Put. How do you say his name? Puig? It was no. So I had given up on them, and then I I noticed the game wasn't over after I had taken a little break, and I was like, "Oh, I'll just turn it back on." I owe it to them. I've been following yeah. them the whole you season. You went to their game. And I don't want to offend the people who don't know I exist. Sure. But, yeah, it's <laughs> sports. I, it's fine. I see the audience is just in hysterics, and Yasiel Puig had just hit a home run. It wasn't uh, then. It was the it other was time. the bottom of the eleventh. I believe it was a full count. Is either full count or two and two. Mm. And, uh, yeah, my wife chose that time to ask for family time. Which is How did you so respond? noble of her. I was like, uh, uh, hold on a second. Oh, wow. That's better than I would have done. What would you have done? No. I just left it at that. Wow. Hmm. And then she would have been like, and then she usually walks down to find out why I would do such a thing. Because she knows you say that and it's going to cause problems. So in her head, she does this whole thing and then comes down and like, what's and, going on? And then I explain and she's like, oh. Okay. I love you, dear. And then she'd probably sit down because that's kind of an exciting moment. Would she? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, in that moment. She loves sports like for like really small chunks. Even my wife was getting involved, kind of. My like wife. She was looking out of the corner of her eye. My wife will not watch the game. Like if she's in the room while it's on TV, she will not lift her eyes Why? to focus on the screen. Wow. Even like when you're screaming? It's almost like she's boycotting the yeah. World Series. She very well maybe, you know? Well, I think it's because – and I think it's very true of you, Jeffrey. It's like this has become an inappropriate relationship. Oh, wow. Really? You and the Dodgers. 
and the Dodger nachos. Mm. I did have some nachos last night. I believe it. That's the problem. So is he causing marital strife? Uh-huh. Wow. He's, She's not he's gone too far. Could she, it be diffused if you watched it on, say, a computer or tablet and she watches something on the bigger? I did watch it on my phone and oh. it stalled the entire game. Oh, it was annoying. But oh. she wasn't <laughs> complaining because she was watching Mad Men. Oh, oh yeah. See, that's her That's her inappropriate relationship. And I, I – Everybody has one. I, in a way, would refused to watch that because, you know, I'll I'll be in the room when it's on and, you know, I'll read up about the show a little bit and I'll make little comments like, does everybody on this show – is there some sort of infidelity in every relationship on this show? On that show there is. And Absolutely. On, yeah. And they're all smoking like a smokestack and right. drinking all day long. And I felt better about that because you find out that they weren't actually the, – the people on the show that didn't want to smoke were smoking something that looked like a cigarette. So there's That's, that. You know, they always Like those little that. candy cigarettes yeah, that we had No, 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 because they actually – like smoke would come out of them, but the people don't want to have nicotine and actually have the smoke. It's a prop basically. It's a yeah. prop. It's a prop cigarette. No, but you, what you're explaining with your wife is, is a universal truth. We all struggle, you know. And we all and the love we need, the attention we want, when we want it. And we all apparently cheat with something. We all whether it's a whether yeah. it's a you know, a hostess Twinkie, mm. whether it's, you know, personally I prefer a, a large diet beverage mm. with a lot of ice and a lime in it. So I make a comment like that and then, you know, according to your theory, I cheat as well. I'll go and watch some super violent movie that you know, kinda negates everything I just said. Wow. Oh, wow. I didn't know you did that. Yeah, wow. That's horrible. Man. That's So you're not okay with violence, but you're okay with <laughs> the Diet infidelity. Coke. No, no, no. The infidelity is just – that's what it feels like to our partner, that you're having an inappropriate relationship with the Dodgers. No, I because... meant the infidelity on that one particular show. Oh, no, yeah. that It happens. That's just Hollywood. We don't even want to get into what's going on in Hollywood today. Or politics. Uh, yeah, well. Uh, you know, there, there's – stores are closing at a rapid rate. Staples, yes. Sears, more store Kmart. closings in 2017. It's a record year. That's not good news. Thanks, Flamazon. <laughs> well. Oh, no pun intended either with yeah. the flames. Oh, uh, yeah. I, th- I, th- I heard phlegm. Oh, but flames are good, too. <laughs> Let's get to the headlines with Terry, see if he can uh, enlighten us with some of the news. What's up? In yet another Fox interview Wednesday, he's uh, President Trump has been on Fox News 19 times now for interviews. In one year? Yeah. Well, it hasn't even been a year yet. Oh, that's true. Since he took In... the oath of office, he's had 19 interviews with someone on Fox News. Well, how many interviews has he and had on not... CNN? Uh, zero. Oh, but how about NBC? N- N- NBC? Uh, I'm trying to see Or MSNBC, here. either one of those. They just have NBC in general uh-huh. with three. Wow, it seems like he's favoring Fox. New York Times, he's talked to four times. Hmm. And Reuters, he's talked to three times. C-SPAN? Uh, no. There, well, that would probably be, was that an NBC product? I can't remember. TMZ? Uh, no, no, no TMZ on the list. But it's 19, and then the rest of the list... It's Holy just cow. like he's been on one on the AP, one on Washington Post, CBS, ABC, one, CBN, oh, yeah. Christian Broadcasting Network. Broadcast Network. That's where uh, they got one. I believe Huckabee has his show. Oh, hold on. They got one more than two. Uh, ABC two, and They CBS. got two more than CNN. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Fake news. 
<clears throat> so he's talking on uh, Lou Dobbs. Oh, that's right. He's talking to the president, and the uh, president patted himself on the back for starting this whole fake news thing. Well, he said some have now turned it around, and now they're calling stories put out on Facebook fake, referring to deliberate false stories pushed by Russian operatives. Trump asked, or uh, Trump asked, what could be more fake than CBS, NBC, ABC, and CNN? He went on to say, if you look at the level of approval of media, of general media, if you look at it from the day I started running to now, I'm so proud I have been able to convince people how fake it is because it has taken a nosedive. Well, then let's quit listening to it. Everybody quit listening to the news about President Trump. Trump made sure uh, Fox business host Lou Dobbs knows that he and Fox News host Sean Hannity were among the few good ones. Oh, those are the good ones. Those are his friends. He he goes. He actually asked Lou Dobbs, "Who would you like to run Treasury or the Fed?" Oh, the Fed. Because oh, they're looking to maybe make uh, a change Lou, in the Lou Federal just Reserve. Throwing out a name there, Powell. So, He'll and then have he said, Powell do "It's it. okay. You can cut this out of the show if you want to." But I really want to know what you have to say. I like to talk to my friends about these things. Okay. That's one way to run a country. That's great. Uh, Ted Cruz believes some of his Republican Senate colleagues need to stop picking fights with the unpopular president. Asked Wednesday in a radio interview about GPO Senator Jeff Flake and Bob Corker's representative uh, respective feuds with the president, Cruz remarked, it's like you're back in junior high. We've got a job to do, and so all of this is nonsense. It's not. It's got nothing to say. I've got nothing to say on it. He then added, without specifically naming anyone, everyone shut up and do your job. That's my view. Oh, well, he does have something to say. Right. He said he didn't, then he did. He went on, I think it's unfortunate the nastiness and per, uh, that pervades Washington now and political battles of personality that consume seemingly every minute of the media's attention and an awful lot of time and energy here in this town. He did, of course, did not name President Trump as being the source of some of that nastiness, a point that both Flake and Corker have made abundantly clear. Yeah. Did, uh, did, he, did he mention what was said about his wife? Because that kind of reminded me of grade school days, too. Yeah. And he took personal offense. Yeah. Someone called his wife basically ugly. Ugly. Someone. Someone. The president. Of the United States, when running for office, called his wife basically undesirable. So, I mean, you know, bygones be bygones. But you know what? You just get over it. Just move along. Get over it. (laughs) Uh, Alphabet, the parent company of Google, mm-hmm. they have a thing called an X Lab where they uh, – Is that the X of, of Alphabet? Is that the X? No. It, maybe. But it's where they have their, their big bets, their big uh, uh, research and development yeah, wing R&D, and their yeah. big huge – they have these balloons mm. that help in distribution of uh, the internet. Internet signals. Oh, yeah. And they've been looking for a place to try to deploy them, to test them out in a real-world situation, not just testing. My neighborhood would be great. Puerto Rico. (gasps) Great Mm. idea. So they're teaming up with the existing uh, cell phone companies and and companies down there, and they're going to try to uh, set up LTE access, which is your your data on your cell phone, in that area because it's really hampered the recovery. So uh, I believe from this it says they're actually um, over – Puerto Rico now. So they, so they launched the balloon. The balloon's holding it goes, what, like a router goes, or something. Yeah, 12 miles up. It has a broadcast unit on it that, that sends out the, the internet signal. Cool. And they're trying to help down there down well, there where they're having some issues. How, so how, many, how close are these balloons from each other? Not sure. They're 12 miles above the ground. So they're up there. 
Oh, but you have to get clearance from the FAA, obviously, so people don't fly into them. And well, I don't think there's a lot of flying going on around there's, Puerto Rico. No, right there now. is. They're is bringing there? in supplies, right? Oh, I thought a lot of them. And then they're yeah. doing surveys with drones, and there's a lot of things going on. They got to make sure everyone's cool with balloons hanging out, yeah. out there. But. All they need to do are, are connect those balls, those orange balls, to the rope. Oh, are they? Are they? Are I don't know. I don't know earth? how it all works. I don't know if they're tethered. If they somehow Let's have, have Jeff research that. fans up there to try to keep <laughs> them from moving around. I imagine they have some sort of stabilization because well, you don't want them just flying. They got to get somebody's got to climb that rope to go blow it up again. Well, yeah, I think when the they've balloon got a clown holding on to all of them. <laughs> so the balloons can hover. They hover, so there's something keeping them there over a specific area using machine learned power algorithms. Wow. Yeah, whatever. So uh, they program them so they can kind of stay in one you spot. You got to love X Labs. And if you if you spread those out, so here we got Google sending in not Google but Alphabet. Yeah. Sending in their projects. You have Tesla saying, "Hey, do you want our Powerwall technology so we can yeah. try to get you guys back online with some generators?" And so all these, this is where companies are becoming countries. Well, they're finding kind of usefulness where they can do some field testing essentially, yeah. and also help out at the same time. By the way, uh, X Labs, name of that company, not X Lax. It's oh, true. Totally different helper. My tummy started to grumble when you mentioned I noticed that. that. When I said that, you're like, your eyes lit up like, oh, is it that time, Mommy? <laughs> Where is the best and worst place to trick or treat? Ooh, well, uh, best San place. Quentin, worst place. The best place is on Osmond Lane. Oh, wow. Ooh, is that where Donnie and Marie's yeah. family lives? <laughs> yes. So this shopping <laughs> app called Ibotta. I bought a. They uh, examined f- uh, purchases across all 50 states when it came to candy. According to the study, Oregon and Washington topped the rankings as the best place to for trick-or-treating based on average candy sales per person. The findings, which include the analysis of 150,000-item level receipts for Candy Bop uh, in huh. 2015 for Halloween. So they're basing it on just how much candy is bought in the area. Well, but the assumption is that the candy goes to the yeah. trick-or-treater. Right. But they're, what they're saying is Oregonians spent the most on Halloween candy, an average of $40 a person. Wow. wow. That's crazy. With Washington, New Jersey, Utah, and California rounding out the top five best states for trick-or-treaters. Yes. Ohio was the worst, <laughs> only spending $11.22 per person. Those Halloween scrooges. I Follow- think Oregon has the munchies. Followed by Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, and Colorado. Mm. Americans spend an average of $16 per person on Halloween candy. They, uh, their That's study crazy. also uncovered candies are, ha- are handed out to trick-or-treaters across the country. So in Oregon, the top candy is Three Musketeers. 100 Grands were most frequently bought in Washington. Uh, Snicker bars were most popular in New Jersey. Yeah. Butterfinger, apparently people in Utah Butter like their Butterfingers. Snicker, butter. yeah. Snickers crisper bars were very popular in California. Who's buying Three Musketeers? Yeah, I know. Vermont, Maine, Arkansas, New York, and Maryland. It's like eating a chocolate cloud. There's just nothing in it. Get this one. Vermont, Maine, Arkansas, New York, and Maryland led the country in average sales of oral care products the week before Halloween. Oh, boy. As parents stock up on toothpaste, mouthwash, and dental floss. Way to ruin the fun. The worst dental preparation? Yeah. Delaware, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Wow. Parents are not preparing their kids for the... Dental apocalypse. But you know Halloween what? Can be. There's a reason why West Virginia is almost heaven. Oh, wow. Why? Well, because, you know, you just focus on the good stuff. That's a good point. Don't worry about, you know, the details. Hey, they're just teeth. But, by the way, have you been to West Virginia? Never. Beautiful place. Honestly, greenest hills you've ever seen. Honestly, love it. 
Uh, I never did check the oral hygiene there. So that's an interesting <laughs> little ditty we learned there. Wow, you that's didn't do any breath tests? No. <laughs> Just did a few speeches and uh, the great people. Wow. They kind of get a bad rap. Uh, speaking of bad raps. Oh, boy. <laughs> not really. Um, apparently the Queen Elizabeth has got a really lucky hand or she's a really strong gambler. She's made $8 million betting on horses. I saw wow. yesterday it was nine. Hold it. Now, isn't she the head of the Church of England? Well, yeah, technically. I'm sorry, but... But then she's throwing down bets on horses? Sure, Of why course not? she's going to win. Haven't you seen the crown? Yeah. They don't talk you extensively think, about horse racing Don't you think that. The, the jockeys are leaning down to their horses and saying, if you win this race, I'll kill you. <laughs> Do it for the queen. Let the queen win. Down. <laughs> there was another report earlier this week that she owns McDonald's. She owns a McDonald's? Right. Kind of on the side because she owns like property. Yeah. And on that property, like there's other people that run and manage the yeah. shopping mall that's there and there's a McDonald's you in there. So technically she owns a McDonald's. Well, you think she'd a whole be new meaning, Burger King. Gives a whole new meaning to a Royale with cheese. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Studio audience is lively today. Yeah, Gladys, did you hear her? Yeah. She seemed happy. Just rolling in the aisle. So yeah, she owns a McDonald's. She's an effective... Uh, Horse owner, apparently. I mean, my grandfather owned a horse that raced in one of the preliminary races to the – maybe the Kentucky Derby. Oh, well. But so then – I mean and so the, he would then wager on bets because he had horses in the game. And that, don't they breed – I think they breed horses. Hmm. So maybe that's what's going on. It just seems like she's the head of the queen – she's the head of the Church of England. You got to be careful – can't you can't dip into both? You yeah, you can. You can't. You can't have the. Uh, it's when it becomes the a yin problem, and the yang man. in one bet. But yeah, if you watch the Crown, they're always talking about her horses. Yeah, it caused it was a point of controversy in the marriage. Maybe that was her thing where she was maybe that cheating was her, on her husband. That was her extra relationship. Her husband became jealous, and then he did mm-hmm. something goofy because that's what he yeah, did. It's just what you did because he's basically the guy that's supposed to take care of the kids. That's why it's just everybody tends to just wander, and it doesn't mean in infidelity, but nope. it feels like infidelity when you but love you're... your horses more than me. <laughs> it's so maddening. Uh, let's get uh, to some empty news, Jeffrey. Um, apparently, axe throwing is coming back into Yeah, the I mean, for some people, it's watching the Dodger game and eating nachos. Mm-hmm. For other people, it's watching Mad Men. Yeah. For some people, it's throwing axes. <laughs> And some people, not this person, would refer to their significant other as a battle axe. Um, not, by the way, when you said not this person, you pointed to yourself. Yes. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. Just wanted everyone to know that. So there's a new uh, there's a new axe throwing club in Washington D.C. Seems like a bad idea right up front. Now hold on a second. I mean, it's it's based on this uh, this Canada. It's, the company is based in Canada. It's a chain. They're expanding it. And I guess they came up with the idea, why don't we try this out in the United States, see how it goes. Just throw an axe. And we've actually got Ron Brokaw live on the scene at the opening of this new location in Washington, D.C. I'm standing here inside the Canada-based Bad Axe Throwing Club, which is bringing the thrill of a traditional Canadian backyard pastime to urban communities. According to Bad Axe Throwing... 
spokespeople. The Canadian craze is uh, similar to the sport of darts, but with hatchets. And it's sort of set up in a similar sense of bowling, where when you book a party or a group, you're assigned a lane. Bad axe throwing charges a walk-in rate of $20 per person per hour. There are also group rates. Reporting live, for now anyway, from the Washington, D.C. Bad Axe Throwing Club. Game and run broke up. The American dream is all about being able to achieve anything that you set your mind to. Is this dream still alive? Recent data share, uh, shows that 13.5% of Americans live in poverty. And our guest today, Steve Mariotti, decided he wanted to change this statistic by becoming a high school teacher and then teaching entrepreneurship to kids who live in poverty. He joins us today to share uh, what he has learned in, in teaching entrepreneur skills um, and entrepreneurship skills to uh, the youth and the impact it really has on changing their paradigm and and really bringing them out of uh, bringing them out into some hope, some some ideas and some some hope about having a better life. Steve, thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. I'm really glad to be on. Uh, now you've you're a busy man, Steve, an author of 35 books and a contributor to the Huffington Post. Plus, uh, the one of your latest books is the Entrepreneur's Manifesto. I love the story you tell about how you figured out that entrepreneuring skills could actually uh, truly change the life of some some of our youth here in the country that that are living in poverty. Talk to us about what drove you to to see that light. Well, I was specializing in the early 1980s in children that weren't doing well in school, and they would have learning issues or behavior problems, and they were often uh, viewed at the bottom rung of their class, and people would, uh, teachers and administrators would treat them that way. And I began to uh, talk to them about what I like to talk about, which is money and small business and uh, how do you save money? How do you grow it? And I found that children that have been defined as um, many times mentally retarded or special ed or all the words that we put on these children were actually uh, many times gifted in business that street smarts can equal business smarts. Hmm. And I think that insight, as simple as it is, is one of the most important insights education of the last um, five decades. That is, it's amazing. I mean, and this started with you actually being mugged one day. Yes, that was in um, uh, the fall, September of 1981. And um, I got mugged and I had uh, what's called post-traumatic stress disorder where, you know, I couldn't think about anything but um, the humiliation of being, uh, you know, mugged. And I went to this um, uh, a doctor uh, named uh, Dr. Albert Ellis, who's now passed away, but he'd written a lot about how to overcome post-traumatic stress disorder or trauma. And he, he helped me in one session by changing my sentence that I was saying. I'd been saying, um, you know, I'm a coward and weak because I was not able to fight back. Uh, against three or four 13-year-olds who attacked my girlfriend and I. 
And he just looked at the sentence that I'd written on the blackboard, and he said, well, we'll just change that to Steve is a hero because he protected himself and his girlfriend from uh, uh, muggers, hmm. and no one was injured. Hmm. <laughs> done. Thing. Done. And I thought I was done. Yeah. And I thanked him. But he said, no, you're not quite done yet. We have to totally drive it from your subconscious. And he said, I want you to go teach um, at the worst school in New York City and just do it for a month or so. And it'll be, it'll be totally over it. It's called flooding a bad experience. So March 6, 1982, um, 35 years ago, I, I became a high school special ed teacher in what at that time was the worst school in New York City, hmm. Boys and Girls High School in Bedford-Stuyvesant. And the first day, I loved it, and I've just been working in that field for uh, three and a half decades. Um, I just think that the opportunity that the world has, not just America, but is identifying children that don't do well in structured environments as potentially being good in entrepreneurship and owning assets and, and doing all the things that, that create value instead of being defined as just really weak academically. That's yeah. two different skill sets. It's kind of, it's a neat way to look at it too, almost like street smarts. Uh, you know, it it helps to have street smarts. It also helps to have business smarts because it it seemed like to me as I was reading about your information, um, business is the marketplace, and it, so it tends to mirror and reflect our social environment. And if a lot of these kids don't feel like they belong to that marketplace or have any hope in that marketplace, don't understand the marketplace, then they might end up fighting against the marketplace. Exactly. One of the, I think, one of the most important statistics um, that that I uncovered and 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 found from my own research is that a, there's a huge um, um, desire amongst African American young men under the age of 20 to be entrepreneurs. So their role models are Jay-Z and uh, Beyonce and, and um, uh, the Simmons brothers. They're people that are creating businesses. Hmm. And the other insight that, that I had, which was borne out by at least my own research, was that when someone becomes a, uh, active in the market as an entrepreneur uh, and begins to own assets, even if it's like $20 or so, a small amount, their political views begin to change. They become more pro-market. Um, and I think those two insights that a majority of, of African-American young men would like to be entrepreneurs, and the two, when you become an entrepreneur, your political views become more uh, libertarian, conservative. You, you, you begin to advocate for freedom for people, um, particularly in markets. Interesting. It really it it makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, if if you're on the street and you've never learned entrepreneuring skills and you don't understand how to get a loan or you can't even get a loan or even a micro loan, um, and you don't understand how business works, then it seems like. But you are interested in having businesses or being an entrepreneur, then. 
you know, other things like drugs might be an easier business to just get into, right, with lower overhead, lower costs. And so then all of a sudden it just makes it more sense that let's just do what the street brings us to do um, and go be entrepreneurial that way. But if instead you're proposing we teach entrepreneurial skills, we maybe create opportunities for these kids uh, worldwide really – to to learn how to run a business and it'll actually it'll actually socialize them into being wanting to be a member of society that's healthier. You said it perfectly. Um, it's really important that it be global. Um, you never want just one nation right. to be really good at ownership and creating wealth uh, because it can by accident leave other nations behind even if they have a comparative advantage. So you want it to be a global effort. And if we did that, I think, you know, our rates of growth would go from one or two percent or, or you know, I, th- I think we'd start to grow in double digits. And over uh, a, um, a two, two or three generations, we'd eliminate poverty as it's now defined. Mm. So that's been my whole career is to advocate that. Every young person learns to start a small business before they graduate from high school. And um, I wanted to tell you that I'm working on two books right now that I'm really excited about yeah. that are that follow up from um, uh, the Entrepreneur's Manifesto. And one is called The Triumph of the Entrepreneurial Spirit. And what I did was um, my team and I, we went around the world and we found uh, 22 entrepreneurs that had lived through war or genocide, um, but through it had either run a business or right after the tragedy had started a business as a way to rebuild their community. And uh, I'm really excited about that because the, the um, characteristics of entrepreneurs Everywhere in the world that I've gone, and, and whether they're wealthy or just starting out, the characteristics of mental strength, alertness to information, an entrepreneurial mindset, an ability to think out of the box, uh, an ability to tolerate ambiguity and uncertainty in markets, um, those, those skills, um, I think, can be enhanced and even taught in schools and, and can lead to a worldwide burst in creativity and uh, uh, the craft of ownership and the craft of entrepreneurship and drive poverty once and for all out of our world, which has done so much harm. Don't we haven't we already seen that? I mean, I know in a lot of the literature around the micro um, microfinancing, where they you know you go give a woman in India that you know it makes make some product, you give her $100, that's all she needs to get her inventory going and um, or even less. It, it seems like all of that research is val- had already validated this idea that maybe the thing that uh, Americans were doing was not just directly exporting democracy but exporting capitalism, which exported entrepreneurialism, which then exported democracy. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's a circle like that. Yeah. Absolutely. And Muhammad Yunus, who founded Grameen Bank in uh, Dhaka, Bangladesh in the early 80s, has been my role model. Mm. And he certainly has pioneered in microloans 
Um, the, the, my only pushback on the micro uh, uh, lending society, and I'm a huge fan of it, is I think it has to begin uh, earlier. Yeah. And I think that academic, the academic parts of business are beautiful. And, and when they're taught right, they're, they're equal to any literature or any art class you could possibly take or any science class that learning how to do, um, I keep a set of books, learning how to uh, design a marketing strategy or to train a sales force, um, learning how to invest your money, learning how to treat other people uh, in a business-like manner. Um, all those are beautiful skills that should be part of our normal curriculum mm. uh, globally in every school and every every age group. And I just think uh, if we started to do that, um, you know, by the time the uh, present generation turned 30 or 35, you would see an incredible increase in productivity and creativity and the ability to to um, uh, increase uh, living standards. Yeah. Uh, with, with so many problems, every single health problem, by the way, is correlated to, um, to poverty. And um, in many ways, we've gone backwards because with the development of the the welfare state um and you know we all need help um at times in our lives so i certainly understand and respect that but the way it is set up in america if once you go into the welfare um uh, state and, and you you get ten thousand dollars a year five thousand goes into your rent just taken out uh you don't even see that and then the other five thousand, um, uh, you can't make more than that. Mm-hmm. And if you ever have more than two thousand dollars in a bank account, the banking system is automatically programmed to take any money over two thousand out of the account. And that, that's a recipe to keep people in poverty. Mm-hmm. Once they, you know, they have a some tragedy, they, or they're born in poverty, or they go through an illness. Um, they, it's very difficult for them to fight their way out of it because of how the system defines it. So many times people go into the drug industry because it's an underground economy or tragically, um, the young women sometimes will have children out of wedlock because they will uh, get extra income from that. Mm. And these are issues that are really painful to talk about. But they're talked about all the time in with low in, low income people talk about it all the time and and are totally honest about it and but you never hear politicians talk about it right and I, I think I think on a national level, we should start to discuss these issues how you get people out of poverty or in poverty, and how do you make the welfare system a tool that they can use? to get out of poverty that leads them to starting a business or to get a job. It makes sense. Oh, oh, go ahead, Steve. The other part I wanted to mention is many times there's great depression intellectually that people get very sad um, when they're not working or when they don't have a business. They don't feel productive. They don't feel like they're adding value. And uh, so not only do you handicap them with – 
massive regulations, a tax code that nobody can understand, uh, and a system that prevents them from accumulating assets above $2,000, but also by accident, I don't think anybody would do this intentionally, but by accident, you create a community that lives together, lives in, uh, you know, what are called projects, and often is extremely depressed. Mm. Um, and I think that needs to be talked about uh, more. You, you just don't hear honest conversations um, in the political community about the issues of people that that are, are living in poverty. Right. I mean, we, we talk about we talk about so many other things like. Um, you know, giving incentives or uh, the the need for them to work to get any benefits, or we talk about homes and housing and and all of these issues. And yet, I think you're hitting on one of the issue. The big issues is they've got to have some way to get out and make their own income and make it work. And yet, we almost we almost assume that the entrepreneurial spirit spirit is something that's just that just immediately you have and then you know how to go do it. But you're saying hand them the tools, um, hand, them, hand them the stuff they need. Steve, as we wrap up, what, what, where do we go? How do we um, – where can we go to start learning about your programs in entrepreneurship? And, and what can we just do as just an average Joe to help, uh, to help teach our kids more about entrepreneuring? Well, thank you. Um, I highly recommend – uh, that people check out uh, NIFTI, the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship, a credible organization. I was fortunate enough to found it in 1987, and it's become a worldwide movement um, run by our CEO, Sean Osborne, and that's at www.nfte.com. And uh, as far as my own writings, um, uh, it's stevemariotti.com which has all my 400 articles on it. I, I've, I write almost exclusively on the field of entrepreneurship and helping pe- people who are low income get out of poverty. Good stuff. So again, that's stevemariotti.com. stevemariotti.com. Steve, thank you so much for your time and uh, just this insight. I think, again, we, I've always believed education obviously is a great way out. But uh, the data that you're showing us about a targeted education around entrepreneuring, especially with communities that are already have that entrepreneurial spirit, they just need the tools. It's a no-brainer. Let's uh, let's figure out how we can be a part of that. And and anyone listening out there, think of your own children as well. Maybe one of the reasons they're so bored or possibly depressed is we're not listening to what they do want to do. We're not hearing their entrepreneurial spirit. We're not teaching them the skills they need to. Uh, to learn how to how to be independent and uh, and do this on their own. Great insights. Uh, up next, we're going to uh, continue doing some empty news as well as a. We're going to talk about a live or about a flat tire. What you do? Women get more people pulling over to help with the flat tire than than others. We'll get into that up straight ahead. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. It's a time for some more empty news, and who better to help us than Jeffrey Liam Simpson? So Terry's always bringing news that, you know, we just had one earlier about where who spends the most on candy. So where are the best places to go trick-or-treating, right? Right. right. So here's another study 
about uh, where couples argue less. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So as, as for all the stories that come out of Florida and all the fun that we poke you know, at yeah. Florida, which really only happens because that's where the stories are available to yeah, the public. They report the truth. Right. So Florida couples fight less than the national average, a study by Mattress Clarity finds. Hold on. But, but they fight less, but pound for pound, they fight over ham more than any other state. <laughs> and why is this study being done by Mattress Clarity? Somebody's trying to sell mattresses. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So according to the study, Florida couples fight 17 times per month. Okay. Which wow. is lower than the national average of 19 times. That doesn't seem right. Does that seem right to you? I I don't even think we argue once a month. Well, your wife calls me 14 times a month. Okay, well, but that's still below the national average. It's totally average. below the okay. national average. So the study also found that Florida couples spend the night in separate beds six and a half times per month. Oh, wow. But this is, you know, of course, because the guy will fall asleep watching Netflix on the couch. Yeah. So it's more of an accident, really. Apparently 20, 20% of people sleep in separate beds. Wow. 20% what of is couples. this, the 60s? Nah, it's just the Lucy. day. <laughs> it's the day of restless leg syndrome. Okay. Well, they have pills for that. This was higher than the national average of 5.5 nights. So they're arguing less, but they're spending more time in separate beds. So what are we supposed to glean from this? Buy a mattress. Or sleep in separate beds, maybe. See, but if you sleep in separate beds, you need two beds. That's twice as many mattresses. That's what (gasps) they're doing. Those Ooh, I don't believe those numbers. Those mattress clarity people. They're oh. just trying to pitch a mattress. Now, here we go. Hawaii couples fight the most, according to the study, at it. 47 times per month. Maybe it's all that spam. Their stomachs are upset and it's <laughs> grumbling in the middle of the night. And so that's upsetting their Do you, partner. I, I don't. Those numbers aren't accurate. Alaska, South Dakota, Maine and West Virginia all tied for the happiest couples only fighting nine times a month. It's probably no. More, it's ten times a month. But it's probably not a fight. It's a disagreement. Maybe they disagree, but there's a difference between disagreeing. I could see disagreeing with your spouse ten times a month. But look at this, West Virginia again, happiest couple. Uh, They're see. also the ones that aren't so concerned about the oral hygiene when it comes to Halloween time. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, just around Halloween time, they don't. So something, maybe there's something to that old uh, saying that West Virginia almost heaven. Yeah, but it's it's actually, I think, just moonshine. (laughs) I mean, I think that's what they're known for. But that's interesting. I I think the numbers are a little off in an effort to Hmm. hopefully get you to buy another mattress for your guest room. I don't know. These numbers don't seem to lie. Uh, they're lying. Although no, I they're lying. I don't argue with my wife. I guess no, that's kind of that's foreign why. to me. See? Yeah. Well, See? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, here's another story. Yeah. There's a runaway garbage truck that slammed into the front of a New York gift shop Mm-mm. called A Beautiful Mess. Hold it. A truck yes. ran into... A building, a business called A Beautiful Mess. Yeah. And it created So I think it was, a beautiful mess. It, was predest- it was predestined to happen, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it caused extensive damage. Owner Jerry Flack, 
who's getting a lot of flack, says he received a call from police on Monday informing her that a garbage truck rolled away from a gas station, traveled across the street, and crashed into Flax retail store. What a beautiful mess. <laughs> gas station workers say the truck driver parked there to use the bathroom, and the truck had rolled away by the time he returned. No one was injured, but the truck's impact caused serious structural damage to the 200-year-old brick building. Now, that's just sad. That's It is sad. There's a lot of beautiful messes yeah. that people remember from that building. And it also tells you you need to name your building very carefully. That's true. Because it may self-fulfill. I mean, why not name it like a crash-free uh, mess or a crash-free business? Ooh, yeah. How about like ludicrously wealthy bank? Okay. How about recession immune business? Mm -hmm. People love me pottery barn. If you don't shop here, my family will starve. (laughs) (laughs) All great ideas which you can use. So if you're out there in listener land and you're thinking of starting a business, be careful what you name your business because you may – very well have a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think we've got time for one more. Do we can? Yeah. So a Florida man was wearing a scuba mask. Okay. Okay. Not too odd so far. Uh, But then he used a knife to commit an hour-long robbery at a convenience store. With a scuba mask on? Yes. Isn't that hard to breathe? Yeah. And I think it would be hard for them to understand your demands. Did Did he have the snorkel on? He must have. Because he couldn't breathe. I guess you just have have to be a mouth breather. So the police department responded to a silent alarm around 1 a.m. and witnessed a masked man in the act of robbery, according to a release. Officers observed Jeffrey Chad uh, Chad Davis, who is 31, armed with a knife and surrounded the store with on-duty patrol units and a SWAT team. However, Davis was unaware of the police presence outside the building, probably because the vision in yeah. those masks is not I bet great. It was, yeah, steaming up now. Gets all fogged up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, uh, however, uh, okay, police say Davis loaded a cart full of merchandise and exited the store about an hour after police arrived. So they were there for an hour. Wow. Before he caught. You know, before he got wise of this, police approached Davis after he was a safe distance from the store. <laughs> Probably couldn't hear them either. Uh, he reportedly tried to re-enter the convenience store, but officers apprehended him with the help of a canine unit before he could do so. Wow! Did yeah. he have? Did he have flippers on? Oh, that makes the getaway real. Tough. Yeah, that seems like it, this. Where the cops? This could have been handled. I think. Faster. Well, you know, they they didn't want to make him feel bad because he's already dressed like a scuba man. He's already humiliating himself. I think it was a Speedo. Yeah, see, he did humiliate himself. Yeah. They wanted to keep it quiet. (sighs) Yeah, oh, I bet. But the neat thing is it's all on video. I'm surprised they they even took him seriously because how do they – I mean, what if he was just asking, like, where's the – Where's the oxygen tank yeah. aisle? Hey, you can you tell me where I can get some suntan lotion? Where can I get this knife sharpened? Where can I get my knife sharpened? <laughs> Talk. Yeah, he had one of those scuba knives too, yeah. He's maybe he's a green maybe he's a like a seal, a navy seal. Just, you know, came off of work. Maybe he's a lifeguard. Who knows? 
We'll figure it out, folks. Uh, We'll figure it out. Doing what we can to help you live longer, love stronger, lead healthier, happier lives. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the program. Hey, we had teased earlier that uh, Leanna would be here to do a little tangent on flat tires, but apparently her shuttle was running behind. Yeah, there was a transportation issue. The shuttle had a flat tire. Well, you get a flat tire, then your tire needs to go get fixed, then you need to take the shuttle, and then the shuttle came late. Then on the way to the building, somebody flat tired her shoe. Oh, yeah, that was embarrassing. Did you see her walking? So um, apparently Elon Musk has got some good news. So uh, there was no shortage of eye-rolling, as this article uh, says, over the summer when Elon Musk, the guy that owns Tesla, when he tweeted that he had verbal approval to build an underground transportation system that would traverse five states, whisking commuters from D.C. to New York City in less than a half an hour. With, With an announcement from Maryland Governor Larry Hogan on Thursday, though, Musk has permission for 10 miles down and something like 215 miles to go for his total yeah. approval for the system. So Maryland says you, you have permission. Here's a 10-mile stretch. There's where you can you can build your, your track. Well, but this is just a test track? I don't know. It says they, they granted Musk's boring company a conditional permit to dig a 10.3-mile tunnel underneath from Baltimore to Washington Parkway, stretching under the state-owned portion of the highway from Baltimore to Hanover. Wow. So he's got permission. Yeah. This is, so this may happen. Well, the first steps. Yeah, the first, got, the first leg, you can get whiplash now in Baltimore. Well, I mean, they're going to strap you in, and your head's not going to flop around. That's what so they say. Okay. They always say that at the beginning. But at the end, you watch. But yeah, so Next, or, you want to get from D.C. to New York in less than 30 minutes. That'll be cool. Set up a Hyperloop corridor. I bet it'll still take 40. You by think the, so? By the way, I went to one of those uh, Elon Musk boring meetings. Yeah. Totally snoozer. Really? Yeah. I'm Way sorry. boring. Way <laughs> boring. I noticed when I was there, it was really kind of, it was kind of musky. Oh, yeah. That, that mm. Musk smell. Uh, <laughs> thanks. We're here all day. Hey, uh, we'll, uh, we'll continue the journey helping us all get through life. Getting more information so we can uh, we can be you know more informed. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, BBC is up next. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. We still can't get over it. We keep talking about the Dodgers-Astros game last night. A home run fest. Um, Jeff even got his nachos. And, yeah, uh, and actually had to postpone a family prayer for a while. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. It worked out, and now it's one to one, and they're heading to Houston. Back to Houston. Three games: Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Ah, oh, good. I actually need this to be over a weekend because I didn't. I bet I got three hours of less than three hours of sleep last night. 
from the the game. Yeah, See, I was I, amped up. I got more sleep than that, but my dreams all involved baseball. Oh, really? Yep. Was it? It was you know like a churro. You mean? No, like a and it's, it's not the ice first, cream cone. It's not the first time this has happened this season. It's just been so such a nerve wracking season for me. Yeah, not really nerve wracking because they won the most games of any right. team they in Major great. League Baseball. But when you follow a team that plays 150 plus games a year and you're following the scores of every game, you're invested. Oh yeah. Well, and when you like you are different than others because when you have your screensaver. As the Nacho Grande plate from Dodger Stadium, then you are deeply invested. Nacho Grande. You make it sound like I have more of a Nacho problem than a Dodgers problem. Yeah, well, I think uh, I think somebody did say it was Nacho problem. I think your wife said, "It's not your problem; it's my problem." Boy, we have a very pro Nacho audience today. <laughs> very. Pro Nacho audience. Um, great game. So you got you got to enjoy that. I don't care who you are. You got to enjoy a good game like that. So the next game's tomorrow night, Friday night, 5 p.m. Pacific time. I'll be watching. 8 p.m. Eastern time. I'm going to watch. I think my wife's probably got something planned for us, but I'll probably be watching somehow. Now it's tough because it it happens the same night that Stranger Things Season 2 premieres. Which my wife and I enjoy. Yeah. But, I mean, that's – you know, you can watch that another day. Yeah, but it, it, it comes out tomorrow. So, like, we yeah, could just binge it tomorrow, no, but you, tomorrow. But, you, but you don't need to binge it is the thing. See, there used to be a day – let me tell you about this, Jeff. You may not remember these days. Back in the day when I was a young guy, you'd have to wait an entire week to see the next episode. Period. Oh, I remember. You you could VCR the past episodes, but then you'd need a huge vault and you'd need to know how to decode your VCR to make it actually work. <laughs> this is interesting because we're actually talking about this a little bit on screen cleaning tomorrow. Ah. There was a show that I loved watching as a kid, and I'm the youngest of seven kids, right? So yeah. I'm the lowest on the totem pole. You, you were the you were the the beating post. Right. So we had two TVs in our home. Yeah. My parents had one in their bedroom, so that TV's tied that, up. Yeah, not touching that one. All the older siblings are going to have first dibs uh-huh. on the TV in the family room. Yeah. So Saturday night, when my favorite television show would come on... Uh, Dallas. N- no. Uh, that was The Love Boat. Mm. Was it The Love Boat? No. You're missing the point here. The point was... Fantasy Island. I would have to come up with very creative ways... Okay. To get to watch my show. I, I couldn't tape it, so no. I, would, I would have to try to go to a neighbor's house to watch it. Really? Which is really awkward at, you know, 9.30 yeah. at night. Can I come over and watch? Are you Can afraid wa- of the dark? Oh, is that what you would watch? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was Saturday Night Live. No, that was that didn't come on until 11.30. And thank heavens, because you shouldn't have been watching that. It's not appropriate for children of your age. You mean Blatterney Blight Blive? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. That's what I meant. What is it called again? Bladder Day Blight Blive. They've had some great stuff. <laughs> I think they won a few uh, Blemmies recently. Uh, Blemmy? Isn't that? Oh, that's from the Dermatological Association. <laughs> You're going to win yourself a Blemmy. <laughs> Thank you. It started out as a little acne, and now I'm <laughs> accepting an award. 
I love it when we're talking and uh, Terry walks in and has no idea what we've been talking about. I was consulting with, with an employee. We're talking about the Blemmies. And he walks in and you're doing a prepubescent uh, yeah, voice I, I, there. By I, the way, did, you, did that sound like a boy or a girl prepubescent? I was more gender neutral. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going for. Nailed it. Uh, we got a lot to cover today. Jeanette Bennett will be here, one of our great contributors, walking us how uh, through how to come back after you've had a break from work. You know, like we had a longer weekend. I was off because I took a little trip to Georgia and I came back and it, I came back to a company meeting. That was shocking. A movie. You a got movie. To, I got to watch a, a movie for pay. It's great. And then I had to work Tuesday through Thursday. Oh, yeah. I need to listen to this because ever since my guys weekend, I I did so great leading up to that uh-huh. with my eating and all, yeah. exercising and all that. Discipline. I've had a really hard time getting back into the groove. I've noticed that. Hmm? Nothing. Hmm. I just noticed that you've been eating a lot of cake in the morning. Well, when it's free... Who cares if it's a few days old? If when it's free, yeah. it, it you're losing money to not eat it. Yeah. Well, you've been eating it. Free cake. Uh, let's get to the headlines with uh, Terry South. Uh, Terry just catching up with all of us. Um, what's going on, Terry? Well, apparently this just happened. The House what? today adopted the Senate passed budget bill that would have given uh, will pave way for tax reform legislation. So we just oh, were good. talking earlier about taxes. Hey. And- so the uh, lawmakers narrowly approved the plan in a 216 to 212 vote. Bicameral. House right? Republicans had passed their own budget in early October, but it contains significant differences from the blueprint that Senate Republicans approved last week. In order to speed up the process, skipping negotiations in a conference committee, the House will vote on the Senate's GOP budget. Earlier this week, House GOP leaders said that by passing the Senate's proposal, it will speed up the process to pass the tax code overhaul by two weeks. Oh, wow. They want to get this done by the end of the year. How could you not? I think you should rush tax overhauls. You should just rush through them. Don't have committees. Don't talk about things. Just rush them on through. It's like these guys hardly work, and then they want to hurry and get one thing done so they they can go back and say, look what we did. They got like 15 days, 16 days of work or something. They better listen to Jeanette coming up. They're going to need to recover after their long vacation. White House Chief of Staff John Kelly reportedly suggested during a debate over how many refugees should be allowed into the U.S. that the country should admit zero. The New York York Times reports that the incident is an example of how Kelly, despite being billed as a moderate force inside the White House, has made clear that he is more aligned with President Trump than anticipated. Kelly reportedly shares many of the same hardline views of the president on immigration and national security issues. Uh, Zero immigrants. Zero immigrants is what he suggested in the meeting. What in the world? So maybe he isn't just the moderate that people thought he was, the balancing force to try to keep everything on track there. Hmm. Colin Kaepernick has so far failed to secure a new NFL contract, but he's reportedly just landed a major book deal. A day after reporting that Kaepernick was seen meeting with publishers at the New York offices of talent agency WME, Page Six reports that the athlete has nabbed a $1 million book deal with Random House. Wow. Uh, Well, an imprint of Random House called One World. Pro Football Talk confirms the report, but notes it's unclear what the focus or format of the book will be. Maybe with Pages. I don't maybe know. Maybe a kids' what other, book. Maybe may, a, okay. Yeah. Maybe a kids' book. Maybe a, a graphic uh-huh. comic book type novel of some uh, sort. I think it'll be called How to Kneel. How to Kneel. A source tells ESPN, however, that the deal has yet to be signed. Okay. Is good. he a good football player? 
He was. Apparently, yeah. He, he's, so he's, he's shifty. He's, he's, shifty. he's better than about 25 guys that have been signed as backups. Okay, so is the lack of a contract because of the controversy surrounding him yes. or because yeah. he's no good anymore? He's been blackballed. Oh. And he plays a different style, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's kind of... he's he's. But there's been significant injuries to backups, and they have skipped him, gone to another person yeah. where you're like, that guy's worse. Yeah. So... It, no one is confirmed, but it really feels like. But he's maybe been is it because they're cheaper too? I don't know. They haven't even talked price. But it seems like that he, he didn't. He's not going to command starting salary, of course. No, no, no. But he 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 had enough success to to get his salary possibly up higher. But they pay people like three million, four million bucks a year for to a sit. backup. Sure. You know, I'll, hey, I mean, when you I'll have do a cl- it. someone's got to hold a clipboard. And a headset. <laughs> Thursday is the deadline for Congress to set it 25 years ago to release the remaining government files on the 1963 assassination yeah. of President John F. Kennedy. President Trump, who can withhold some of the documents if he decides to, if they think he thinks they compromise government source methods or tease the re- release again. He teased the, the release again Wednesday, saying the long-anticipated release of the JFK files will take place tomorrow. So interesting. Oh, brother. The CIA has been urging Trump to withhold some information while scholars and conspiracy theorists are pushing Trump to release every scrap of information. Trump can't withhold documents just because the government finds them embarrassing. And scholars and JFK assassination buffs will be scouring the document dump for information on Lee Harvey Oswald, identified as the lone shooter who was then shot by Jack Ruby, if you remember that video. Yeah, but there's going to be Russian connections, yes, and it then says, Trump's vis- in trouble again. It says, <laughs> including any government cover-up and intelligence on what, what Oswald was doing in Mexico City before the assassination. Was he in Me- I thought Cuba. It was oh. Mexico City. Some ah. people will also be looking for any mention of Rafael Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz's father, who's aligned in a 2016 tabloid article yeah. from the what well, the National Enquirer said that uh, he was involved in the assassination. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That Trump said, I've heard and people are saying. Inquiring minds want to know. And finally, an, an auction earlier this week proved you can indeed buy happiness for $1.56 million. Oh, is that what it costs now? Sort of. Albert Einstein's theory of happiness sold for the hefty sum at auction Tuesday. Uh, at a Tokyo Imperial Hotel in 1922, Einstein tipped a bellboy with two notes written on pieces of hotel stationery. One note, Einstein described his theory of happiness. A calm and modest life brings more happiness than the pursuit of success combined with constant resentl- or restlessness. Hmm. <laughs> so he wrote that in German. On a second note, he wrote, uh, where there's a will, there's a way. Einstein signed and dated both. He told the bellhop huh. to save the notes. He said there'll be more... Uh, They'd be worth more someday than a regular tip. And he was right. The yeah, two notes went up for auction in Jerusalem Tuesday. Uh, anonymous European bidder paid $1.56 million for the theory of happiness. Another bidder took home the second note for $240,000. NPR reports that until now the notes had remained in that bellhop, that bellhop's family. The grandson of the Japanese bellboy's brother put the notes up for auction. So wow. the guy saved them. Mm, that's smart. That's really smart. I wonder what I mean. Can anyone just do that? Did, no, did, you, you kind of need to be someone like Einstein. I mean, so if, like I just, if well, you did it, they'd probably arrest quote, you. Like, hey, but didn't Trump do that little napkin doodle of New York City and no. sell that for a bunch of money? Or did he put it up for auction for a bunch of money? Did that ever sell? Yeah, it sold. It well, sold for a good price. Wow. I don't know if you've heard. He's one of the greatest doodlers of all time. Mm. He will confirm that. <laughs> bing, 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 bing. I also bing. want to report the uh, bing, bing, bing. The, the national nightmare 
of the furniture in our lobby yes. uh, has been solved. Ah, it was I, just uh-huh. there because they had some event downstairs. So they took all the furniture downstairs. Good. The the dangerous furniture that looked like it was from some swanky like 60s bachelor pad. pad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is all gone. I knew something was going on because we... Are more wholesome, comfortable, actually more ergonomic yeah. in the height. Have you, right. Did you sit uh-huh. in those at oh, all? Yeah. You yeah. can't get out of those other... I couldn't More even evil sleep on furniture. It. No, I could. I tried yeah. to take my my afternoon um, I, I siesta. Gotta be, I got to be careful what I call it, but just it's a siesta. Yeah, you're celebrating sleep. Mm-hmm. That's what I was doing. Okay, and um, but I couldn't get in or out of it. Mm. So, and it's very slippery. Wait, but are our couches back? Oh, thank goodness, yeah. because those. Were the most comfortable couches I've ever been on. Well, and the neat thing is, this is what I thought was beautiful. Because all we had was this black leather furniture in there. But we used to have this nice green, really nice furniture. I don't know how to explain it any other way. And when I went in today, I don't know if you saw this. Oh, in fact, right by our window, there goes a couch. Mm. Um, When I went in there today, it was so beautiful. I saw the leather furniture that they replaced... um, Oh, now you're going to make me cry. I didn't know I was going to go this way. As I'm sitting there looking at the leather furniture, there was one lone green chair that had made its way up the stairs from the party last night, somehow got through the security doors, and then just was lonely sitting, waiting for the rest of its family set. Oh, I saw that. To come. Yeah. And I looked at that little chair and I said, little chair? You hang in there, buddy. Mama Someday. couch, daddy couch, brother, sister couch, chairs. They'll all be here, plus the lamps and the nightside table. What do they call those? And the uh, magazine, whatever tables. This is making me think of that song. We can be together forever someday. Yeah. Let's not do that again. Let's not sing. Hmm. I mean, you're great. Don't get me wrong. But... I kind of like the other music. Anyway, we'll talk about this off air. <laughs> hey, uh, up next, Jeanette Bennett will be joining us. We're going to be talking about how to get back to work after a long break. Straight ahead, this is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends. It's that time to bring on Jeanette Bennett. The uh, we really call her the anchor of the show. Is that what we say? That's what we say. I like it. It's a great. It's Print a great... me some business cards. <laughs> yeah, I, we, yeah. We don't even have business cards. Okay. I mean, it's like a lot of people aren't asking for our cards. I'd ask. Would you? I want one. I'll give you one of my other ones. Yeah, I might need to take a note in my car later on the back of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's a good point. <laughs> Great point. Uh, Jeanette is the founder and editor-in-chief at Bennett Communications, where they they have like four or five ma- five magazines. Oh, it depends on how you count them. We do Utah Valley Magazine, Utah Valley Bride, Business Q, and some other things. Prosper. And then you, you always dabble a little bit in the bridal. We dabble. We're dabbling right now in the middle of doing next year's the, magazine. The big bridal show magazine. That's always hard because the dresses, everything changes every year. Oh, everything's. But it's all the same. <laughs> It's true. There's cakes, there's dresses, there's yeah. brides and grooms, uh-huh. and then the details change. And then you just kind of you have to just kind of reinvent every story to like fit this new totally, year. Totally, totally. Like a new cake headline? What? A new ring headline? Uh, you know, it's it's but, a little tricky. Well, bless Makes you. Makes me feel old. 
We yeah. But people get married every year. Good for them. I know. And know? some, you know, some multiple times a year. <laughs> we won't even talk about them. Jeanette was going to talk to us today about though um how to go back to work if you've had a break. Right. So that could be maybe a, a, a woman that stayed home, had a baby. Uh, we were talking about some of my coworkers' wives that then went back to work after, mm-hmm. you know, 90 days off. And you got to get back. And now how do you get back and get back into the swing of things? So, yeah, it's tricky. I mean, life isn't linear all no, the time. never. You know? And so it can be complicated. BYU Magazine just had a, a chart in their latest issue that showed that half of female grads from uh-huh. BYU – in that twenty-six to forty-year-old age group, they stay at home. They're stay-at-home parents. Really? Because we, you know, we have kids. You want a family? And kids want their moms. Mm-hmm. Kids need their Otter Pops opened. Yeah. And, oh yeah. And so do so do adults. <laughs> so do husbands, right? They're really hard. And to get then open. they put the wrappers wherever they want. Oh, sure. What is with that? Well, it's be, you'll get back to it. You'll just you'll get it the Later next time on. you see it. Yeah. Yeah, every year I buy one box of Otter Pops, and I remember why I don't Ugh, like don't that. Don't buy Otter Pops. Anyway. Yeah. But not about Otter Pops. So people, you know, a lot of women stay at home and, and uh, take care of their families, which is which is a beautiful thing. And yeah. then when the kids are in school, uh, some women, a lot of women maybe, want to go back to work, either full-time or part-time. But how do you get back into it? Ugh. So some of these tips are things you should do along the way before you're getting back. and Because uh, it would help pave the way. Right. To go to never send an email and then all of a sudden want to be an office manager, you know, that's a little tricky. You might be behind the curve. Right. So along the way, I think it's important to keep relationships up with people you went to college with, uh, people you worked with in the past, and also people you know in the community. If you put on a PTA carnival with someone, uh, be friends with them in person and also online to keep those connections up. If you're not like naturally good at that, like I'm great with people in the moment, but then to keep doing it is so hard for me. No, it is hard. And if it, if it doesn't come natural and if you don't enjoy it. Can you just hire someone to <laughs> you could, keep it your contacts it doesn't up? feel real. It doesn't feel real. So say to yourself, I'm going to do it 10 minutes a day. That's just, it, yeah. just set a little goal or, or maybe it's on Fridays that you get on there. and Because you can go the other way and spend way too much time getting sucked into things that don't matter. Right. And the minutia of other people's oh. lives. And you don't need to do that either. No. But set a goal and make it important to keep relationships alive. Even just quick little things. Some people do the happy birthday thing on online. They'll do that on LinkedIn or yeah. Facebook or other places. Just a quick happy birthday. It reminds people of your name and who you are. So it's important to keep those um, relationships up throughout your life in all the different chapters of our lives. Keep keep those going. You know, and which, is, which is why it's probably important, too, to not just accumulate a bunch of people that you maybe don't even remember, know, connect with. It might be better to get the ones that you actually did yeah. something for, knew. True. That because it's you could go for numbers and you can mm-hmm. go for quantity or quality, and I guess quality might be easier to keep up and might be actually a, a richer thing right. that you can use. I later. think quality trumps. And if they've known don't you in real say life, trumps. <laughs> you can. I'm just Strike saying, that from the that's record. It. We got. An, we need another word. Okay. Yeah, okay. Quality. Quality conquers. Okay. Reagan. Okay. <laughs> you can say Trumps. It just seems like people immediately think of the president. Right. Yeah. So I anyway, will, keep going. I will choose a different Not word. To interrupt you. Uh, but I think people you've known in real life, they're going to remember you more. Yeah. And so you can make friends online, but the, the better way is to make friends in real life and then keep those relationships up at least a little bit. Yeah. Online. Just for a job. I mean, if you have a chance to get a job and you know somebody that was a senior leader in that company and you knew him really well, if you kept that relationship up, you might be able to go get that job. True. 
Because we answer emails and phone calls from people we know. Yeah. We all get inundated with so many requests. And as a business owner, you know, I get people wanting wanting a job. If I have a connection to them somehow, I have that extra layer of responsibility slash possibly guilt that I'm like, I have to respond yeah. to them. I can't yeah. ignore them. I'm going to run into them. I You've see them. The I know contract. them. Yeah. I know them. So I have to have to respond. And then when you are ready to go back to work, don't be shy about letting people know that. Don't don't be embarrassed about it. Get you know? it out there. Just get it out there. You know, I'm, I'm looking for work. And, and be clear about what you're looking for. Uh, part-time might fit someone's needs better than full-time. Right. So figure out what it is you and your family need. And that's financial need, emotional need, fulfillment need, whatever those needs might be. Because um, sometimes you know you do need the money, and other times it is truly more of a personal development. Yeah, you want to take off. I don't want to clean this kitchen by myself <laughs> all day long. You know, it's so true. Huh? And so you cut. You probably need to do some work to make sure you know why you're doing it. I think that's important. That'll help you make a good decision about whether this job is a good fit for you. Because jobs, they cause a sacrifice. I mean, you're going to sacrifice your time. You are going to miss some things. Even if you have a great situation that's pretty flexible, there's some trade-offs. And so you want to make sure you're doing it uh, for the right reasons and that it's something you enjoy. And then when you're in the interview process, don't overstate who you are and your skills. I think you might be tempted to yeah. if you feel like, you know, I've been out of the workforce. For, I'm huge. I'm amazing. <laughs> I'm your next CEO. Yeah. Uh, just be honest about about it. I think the people skills that, that you have are as impressive or perhaps more than your technical skills. Right. And, you know, you can keep your people skills up whether you're working or not, right? I mean, that's a, just a human thing. Right. Not necessarily a workforce thing. So when you're in the interview, just be honest about your skills. Although it is important, like I mentioned earlier, to have sent some emails to to be living in 2017 you, you enough. Got, you you know? got to know some stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah and, we, and by the way, a lot of what you need to know, you just need if, – if you just are breathing <laughs> and are participating in the most common devices – Right. You'll probably have a pretty good advantage. You will. You know, if you've been a mom looking at Skyward or if you've yeah. been if you've been uh, in church responsibilities sending out group emails, those are the things. But we did hire someone once who had a great personality to be on our sales team and um, hadn't sent an email. And mm. that was a pretty big learning curve. That's hard, huh? That, that was hard. So do what you can to, to participate. We see know? it, by the way. All these students leave with communication degrees. Right. And but they're getting jobs. Uh-huh. But every one of them are getting jobs in companies in social media. That's the need right now because that's what mm-hmm. they all they're all really good at it. Mm-hmm. And most of them didn't study it. They just are out there. But that's what people need. They've participated. And in so, it. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. that's actually kind of hopeful. Just just having some great skills, even a degree and some social media skills. Yeah. For sure. Uh, the two types of jobs I get asked a lot about when I interview entrepreneurs, they tell me they need more computer programmers, developers, that yeah. type of people, and younger people in social media because they just don't understand. They know they need a presence everywhere. Yeah. And so those are two industries that, that they, are having do, jobs. Does anybody bring up they need like a, I don't know, like a 48-ish year old male <laughs> Who's good on the radio? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, I guess you don't get much of that. I, I haven't heard that a lot, but okay. you know. Well, whatever. I mean, I'm not looking for a job, but just always like to know if there is one. I think out there. you have some job security here. You yeah. might. <laughs> hey, um, is when you think of this, I mean, th- this could also just be male or female, right? True. If, mm-hmm. Because there's some people now that might be ending one career at 50 or 60 and need to go right. get another one. True. And um, but there there is a lot of fear, I think, to get back in the game. 
because you might wonder, can I really keep – can I keep up? Can I keep swimming this fast? Well, and and you can, but it is yeah. a decision, you right? Have to, I guess it takes time to get back to speed. It could. You know, it could take time. But a lot of it's just a decision to say, hey, I'm going to give this all, all that I have. And you may not um, land the job you want from the start. Right. But if you – if you jump in and say, I'm going to be the best at this, I'm going to give the most, I'm going to be the happiest, I'm going to be a great team player, things will happen and doors will open. Yeah. I, I think flexibility is something women and men love in their lives, right? You know, we all have other things we want to do other than work, even if it's go get a haircut. Right. Or oh, I love that. Go to the bank. I go on a walk. I like to do it, go on walks too. So flexibility, a couple of thoughts on, on getting yeah. that as you're heading back into the to the workforce. One is from the start to to let them know that. Say, I'm I'm looking for a position that allows me to, whatever it is, leave at three every day or, uh, you know, go to my daughter's out-of-town out of tennis tournaments, whatever it is, to be clear up front. And if they're okay with it, cool. And they might not be. Yeah. And at least you know. Now we know. Because you don't want to be disappointing them or disappointing yourself. This may not yourself. be a good fit. Yeah. But the other way to get flexibility, and I've noticed this as an employer, is when I have an employee who is awesome. Yeah. I can't live without them. I, they they are so good at what they do. They make my life easier, and they enrich the company. Then I will grant whatever flexibility. Oh, whatever you they want. want. I can't lose you. Right. So if you need to work from home for there's the a, next few years, there's a great quote. Yeah, hey, if you want if if you want us to pay you three times more, we'll do it. There's a great quote that says, "Superior performance fosters independence of action." Ooh. So the better See, you perform, good. the more free you are. That's so yeah, but true. you got to be careful because then sometimes you also have lost yourself in becoming a performer. So the more you do perform well, the more people want you. True. So then you've got to also learn to say no. Right. right? Or you're just going to just start expanding mm-hmm. into stuff you don't want to do because everyone needs you. Yes. So you need to be excellent at what you do. Yeah. And that might mean saying no to things you know you'd be mediocre at. Yeah. Which is good right. because then you, you – you can get better and better at what you love to do, and being loving what you love to do is probably going to make you better at it. Exactly. But yeah. you'll have to eventually say no. No, I, I don't mm-hmm. do that anymore. I don't do that part anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm I don't still like learning that, that skill. I am too. I'm horrible at it. I say yes to everybody. <laughs> you want to put wife, that out there? Nope. Nope. I don't. <laughs> but I just did. And but but what's great is I'm married to a woman that can say no to people, okay. and she's now my assistant. Okay, so people have to go through her. Yeah, she's the gatekeeper. That's smart. Mm-hmm. It's totally weird. Because she has all the power to say no. And sometimes she'll say no to stuff that I would have said yes to. Ah, maybe we should have done that. So then do you rethink it and say tell him yes or do you go with her? Uh, usually decision? I just go with her. Yeah, smart. It's smart. See, you found a system that mm-hmm. works for you. It took 47 years. Well, it's never too late. Mm, seems like it. <laughs> but you're saving yourself, right? You're probably not showing up to every little thing that you didn't need to go to Yeah, she's helping you out. No, that's true. And it gives me more time to do – like I've got, I've got a lot of writing I need to do. I got to get stuff written. Mm-hmm. I mean, who know? I could die tomorrow. Hope that doesn't happen now. But I could die, and so I want everything I've ever known written down. Right, and see, that's the kind of thing. Writing is the kind of thing that's so easy to put off. Oh, because no one's standing over your shoulder saying right. that's due tomorrow. So and you have to carve out that time. It's very scary because people judge your writing. Tell me about it. Oh yeah, you do it every day, you little publisher. You little publisher. Um, talk about more about um, the. How do you? How do you know if you really want to go back? 
versus kind of the FOMO, the fear of missing out mm-hmm. thing. Because a lot of people just have this fear that they're missing out on something. So right. it almost it's sometimes like being with your family feels like it's not as interesting as what you see your friends doing in the work world. Mm-hmm. But then the people in the work world have this fear that they're missing out on their family. Everyone's got FOMO. Right. Because we don't have enough time to do everything. Right. We really don't. And then you see on social media, you see what people are doing. And you're like, I wish I was on that hike right now. Yeah, I'd love to have freedom to just go hike in the day. Yeah, must be nice. I killed a hike. Yeah. I think that's a that's a tricky question. And um, you might not know until you do jump back in the workforce. And then you're like, you know, I did this isn't what I thought. Test so it. It's, it's not a lifetime sentence. If you go out and get a job, you're not committing to 20, 30 years. Right. Uh, maybe it doesn't work for you. But maybe you do want to give it a try because if you're if you're home feeling like I really should be working, then that thought might not leave you until yeah. you explore it. So uh, I think uh, some of it depends on financial needs. Some sometimes you have no choice. You're gonna you need some money. You know, kids are expensive. Oh yeah, you raised them totally, and they still cost yeah. you money. Especially if they're like really super kids, because then they're in super leagues. Right, and they're in they're super camps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. why I like I like raising really average. <laughs> To lower average mm-hmm. you children. You just do They're one city rec expensive. team a year or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, just one. Pay your 60 bucks. You're mm-hmm. good. It's pretty easy. Yeah, good. There's, but they there's got a, a good t-shirt. tip for you. See, they got a T-shirt and an Otter Pop that they left <laughs> yeah. the wrapper out for. That's right. Uh, so that's that's a thought. But also, you know, you do want to find things that fulfill you. And for some people, it is volunteerism. Uh, for some people, it is gardening. Um for some people, it's reading. And if that isn't you, if, if you really are drawn to what you studied in school or uh, a professional pursuit, your soul wants that. You yeah. crave that. Oh, I, yeah. I think our souls do crave progress yeah. and whatever that might be. And to leave a legacy, right? Mm-hmm. This, I mean, and you may, have, you may be called. You may feel called, compelled to go leave this legacy. Exactly. You know, and funerals actually do put things in perspective. They totally do. Yeah. We've talked about death more than I thought we would today. But Well, it's kind of – it's just where I go a lot lately. <laughs> you get close to 50 and yeah. it's all about that. It's all about that. Uh, but, you know, when you do think about the end of your life, you want to think about what did I do on this planet? And you don't want to think, well, I watched a lot of TV. Oh, I nailed Netflix. I yeah. scrolled through a lot of other people's Instagram. Yeah. yeah. You want to have mattered and that doesn't – necessarily mean work, but it might. You know, for you, you need to write these things down. You have a gift, you have knowledge, you have experiences, you have the sense of humor. And so, not to put pressure on you, but you got to get that thing written. You know, you got to leave leave a legacy. And uh, for other people, that might be being the best grandma there ever was. For other people, it might be uh, running the best dental practice, you know. And and so, that's going to be personal. No one can really tell you what's going to make you feel fulfilled at the end of your life. Do, do you have any insight into how, because I always have people tell me they don't know what they're supposed to do. Okay, a couple of thoughts on that. One is think back to when you were a child. For yeah. some people, there's some enlightenment there. Did you like to build things? Did you like to teach? Did you play school? Did um, Were you outside a lot? Hmm. Uh, some of those natural tendencies might have clues Yeah. for what you did. I used to play newspaper. It was, it was weird, but I did. Did you really? I did. I would make a little newsletter. And uh, and I would I drew I hand drew the United States on this big piece of butcher paper and I would I would do the weather I would talk about the wow. highs and lows and okay so I used to play um, ticket police ticket person and I would walk around the neighborhood with a little ticket book and I would wow. ticket cars mm-hmm. so I've been thinking a lot lately that I've kind of missed my calling yeah yeah you might have a parking attendant career yeah in your I future. think I I think yeah parking 
Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Meter maid. See, dream big. You've got some good things. Meter man. So that might that might be a clue. Some of the things you thought about when you were a kid. Another thing is, what do you like to talk about? What could you talk mm. about forever? You know, what what do you just lose yourself in thinking about, reading about? If you stumble across a TED talk about or documentary, what draws you in? Is it science? Is it relationships? Is it people? Is it is it gardening? Is it art? Is it literature? Um, is it technology? That's such a great clue, right? Because now then you're in the ballpark. You're in the ballpark. You know that you could do that for hours and not look at the clock. You know, there there are some things that I'm sure you would hate doing. An eight hour day of oh. whatever it is. Oh, you would want be a list? Horrible. I'll give you yeah, a list well, right now. Give me one. <laughs> no, I can't because <laughs> I actually do some of it, but I don't love doing it. Yeah, well, like accounting. I do accounting for our business. I oh. I don't love it. No, no. Yeah. The minutia of finding that that number check number, and then it's thirty cents off, and I'm going to spend eight hours figuring that out. I don't love that, but other people do. They want it to fit exactly, and so that's a clue for them. Yeah. Uh, so those are, those are some thoughts. And uh, just talking to people. I think one thing that's important, whether you're looking for a job or not, is to ask people about it. You know, when you're seeing them in the na- at the neighborhood trunk or treat this uh-huh. weekend or something. Right. So how's work? What do you do? Tell me more. And it might intrigue you or you might realize, okay, that's not what I want to do. Yeah. And, but, and listen to them. Like, how did you get into that? Listen to their that's story. That's a great question. Oh. What's a typical day for you? Yeah. What do you like about it? Um, you know, what have been the changes in your industry? Instead of just going, so how much do you make? I mean, really, <laughs> don't, just, don't tell me the exact, but just what's the range? Give me a range. Can you give me within a thousand range? dollars? <laughs> That's crazy. That's what we ask, though. Um, what else? What else do we have to know in order to kind of move from almost not being active in a professional way to then moving back into a very professional world? Uh, I think knowing yourself is important. So setting some goals. One of the things I did with my kids the other day, we did vision boards, which I, I know some cool. people think maybe cheesy or something. No. But it was cool to see what I wrote on my thing and cut out of magazines and what, what they did. And one of my daughters wrote interior design. She wants to do a uh, Van- oh, really? She's going to name it Van Gogh Connections. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Van Gogh Connections. Mm-hmm. Interior design. Holy cow. She's got it all thought <laughs> she's out. She's got it thought out. So uh, those are some clues, some things that you're – the things that you're drawn to. I think the ultimate thing to do, though, you know, you do need to know yourself and know your needs and all of that. Uh, be good with people. Mm-hmm. Even though we are a very technological society and everything's digital, people skills is what will get you a job and keep you a job and, and help you progress. Absolutely. And so being interested and kind to people in real life. Right. You know, that, have that be really you and be a good listener, be a good follow through person, communicate clearly. Yeah. Uh, even if something, if you make a mistake or something, own it, be clear about it. Those people skills will help you so much more because that is something that's been lagging a little bit. I that's think right. We, I well, think, don't you think those those are going to shrink mm-hmm. as we do everything more via technology? Yeah, because people think it's not needed, but it's actually needed more than ever. That's right a great now. point you bring up. That is, you're going to have the job interview probably face to face. You're going to see these people. Right. You're going to have to keep these jobs face to face. So you mm-hmm. better be good at that. Yeah, be be kind. Be someone they want to be around. Uh, people spend a lot of time at work, and so you want that to be a happy time. You want to create an atmosphere of uh, trust and happiness and fun and memories and create that legacy together. And so being good with people. And so those are skills you just never want to let go. Right. No matter what you're doing with your life, you want to be, you want to be a people person. Those are lifers. Um, I call it – and character, right? Because um, I always say it's easier – we tend to hire for – 
uh, competency and we fire for a lack of character. But it might be easier to hire for character right. and then teach them what they need to do. I think that would be easier. Teach actually. them, train them mm-hmm. up. And so I just like knowing if I have somebody that's got a ton of character, I can we can teach them anything. Mm-hmm. So and, and kind of a companion skill to that, so being good with people. Also, being a curious person, yeah. being someone who likes to learn. Don't get bored easily. Just be someone who... I want to learn more about that. You know, I be curious, ask questions like we talked about earlier. When you're at the job, figure out better new ways to do the tasks ahead of you. Uh, talk to other people in your industry. Um, just be a curious yeah. person. Be a learner, a learner of things. Curiosity killed the cat, but it might help you in your <laughs> it, job. It won't kill your career. It won't kill your career. <laughs> wow. See, you work words. Ooh. Jeanette's a wordsmith. Jeanette Bennett's her name. You're going to want to go check out her website. You've uh, What is it today? So Utah Valley 360.com is where you'll find everything. She's got 5,000 magazines. At least. And just if you dig deep enough, you'll be able to see her sing, do a little cabaret (laughs) act. It's buried pretty deep. But it's totally worth looking for. Put it under a bushel, yeah. Jeanette Bennett's her name from Bennett, uh, Bennett Communications. Thanks for being here. Well, we'll have you back. I mean, every couple of weeks, we just want to pick your brain. Sounds good. So easy. <laughs> hey, up next, BYU Sports Nation will be joining us. We'll find out what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. And I'm going to check in, find out about the World Series, see what they thought of that magnificent evening. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. Man, to have to have uh, sponsors like Niche Mates who help you pick the perfect pairing. Let's go now to one of our greatest pairings here at uh, BYU Broadcasting. Spencer and Brian are Brian's joining us today from BYU Sports Nation. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, Matt. Hey, Matthew. How you doing? Good. Does that music selection have anything to do with the fact that the Astros won a World Series last night? Yes. He's so sad. And for some reason, I'm so happy because I I love the Astros. They're my favorite team today. That was one of the wildest baseball games, not just in a playoff scenario, oh, yeah. but ever. Wasn't that in incredible? any game scenario that I've ever seen. Home run, home run, two up, two down. It was well, awesome. Well, and the scenarios that... The whole decision to pull out mm-hmm. the Dodgers starter, Rich Hill, too early. And then that required Kenley Jansen to come in a little bit too early in the uh. Astros. I mean, the Dodgers were 78-0 and when leading after the eighth inning this, is this season. That was wow. the game. Or something like that. Or 98-0. Or, I mean, it's crazy number. And then the Astros hit two home runs. It's like, okay, the Astros are going to win. And then the Dodgers I come know. back in the bottom of the 10th. It's like, okay, maybe the streak will still remain alive. But then, wow, See, this, 11th inning home is, run. This is why I wait until the World Series to tune into baseball. Wow. That, that, that reason. Right oh, there. really? Yeah, you want to you want to tune in a little later. Yeah. yeah. You know, traditionally, I, I wait until actual game seven of the World <laughs> Series. You really but, tune in late. <laughs> but uh, I, had, I, had a, I had the TV going, then I had my iPad going with, uh, Spencer and Jerome last night <laughs> watching the the Cougar tip off. Well, so, how could you not? I, I know. I just I couldn't get enough of them. Cause That's the world we live in, though, ball. right? You can watch the World yeah. Series, you can stream the Cougar tip off, and you can listen to something else. On and your you phone. can, yeah, you can yeah. actually listen to Netflix. 
mm-hmm. which is really what you want to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not yeah, not you guys, of course. Now, I have a number of friends that are heavily invested in this World Series. Uh, one of my close friends that I worked with uh, in Palm Springs for three years, he was our uh, go-to sports photographer. He is now the Dodgers dugout photographer for Time Warner Cable. Oh, in wow. What like, a... He's posted up. Next to the dugout. What a great wow. gig. So about the tickets. Oh, he's making the big money right now. Oh, that is yeah. for sure. Big, big so he's there. Obviously, I was thinking about Jeff last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have a couple of friends that are working as reporters as well, one in San Diego and one in Fresno that are both uh, sports guys covering the World Series for their respective stations that are down there and Dodger fans. So it's, it's been interesting to watch all of this play out through their eyes. It's exciting. If yeah. we could have every game like last night – uh, well, we'd probably die, but it would be. This would do a lot for baseball. I would. I would have been a baseball player. You would have played that. ball. Yeah, you would have played, played baseball. Ball. Well, you know. You know what though? Like honestly, this is what happened with me because I, I played baseball as my first sport, and I loved it. And went to you know tons of Giants games. Grew mm. up you know watching Barry Bonds and all that. And um, it wasn't until I think my sophomore year of high school when I stopped playing baseball, and be- because it became boring, and, and it started becoming become boring my freshman year of high school and i just realized that that's that's the that's kind of the next jump in the league yeah. for 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 kids right because the ball was getting faster so that's that's that to that's me it. personally as a as an athlete and i think i'm comfortable to say this <laughs> spitzer can have my back i mean with 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 baseball it depends on just if you can keep up with hitting the ball or not and, oh yeah and 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 that's it because as far as your speed and all the other stuff that i think i used as far as stealing bases i was the second i played second base Lead-off hitter, stole every single base. He was crazy, man. I was, I was legit. I could talk baseball all day and night. But then it got, just got boring. Well, and, it just, just got boring. It's, you know what, though, Brian? If you, had not, if you had gone to baseball, maybe we wouldn't be enjoying Brian Logan now. That's prob- yeah, that is so true. Especially we, growing up in California, I don't think I would have No, you wouldn't. You'd be, you'd be in the Giants you know, area. You'd be, I mean, yeah. you'd be broadcasting for the Giants, probably. Yeah, you're probably right. Not, or not, maybe, even, maybe even coaching. Yeah, you, yeah, or coaching, coaching ball. You wouldn't be in the celestial kind of sphere of nope. communication. No, nope. God, hey, God has a, has a purpose and a plan. Man. I'm I so glad. I don't question it. I just follow it. I know. You're, and <laughs> keep following it. Oh, my goodness. It. Hey, guys, what's on your show today? You, I know you're still doing the show. Basketball is back, Matt. It's back. At the perfect time for BYU fans. Yeah. Cougar tip-off last night. Really fun style of play, athleticism all over the gym. What's your number one overreaction following last night's Cougar tip-off? That That's is cool. what we are asking BYU fans today. Overreaction. Over. We want the overreaction, man. Great. Overreaction. Oh, I'm pretty sure they're in the final four. Plus, we go two-on-one yes. with BYU football defensive end Sione Takitaki. Why he's not overreacting to the Cougars' 1-7 and seven football record. Mm. Mm. You see what I did there? Yeah, I did. That was brilliant. Ju- juxtaposed the two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we have a Super Bowl champion coach from the NFL on the show as well. Brian oh Billick making his weekly stop. What would he say to Kalani Satake if he were in a room oh, one-on-one with Question. the BYU football head coach? That's cool. You're going to have two great, amazing Brians on the show. Mm-hmm. We both spell our name with an I, too. Oh, my heavens. That's how it's done. Fate. Destiny. <laughs> well, guys, it sounds like a great show. Knock them dead. We uh, we love talking to you, but I know you got to get out, uh, get your power power drinks down, so that you can uh, pump up. By the way, that's about five four and a half minutes away. You can enjoy Brian and Spencer at BYU Sports Nation. You're not going to want to miss it.
Oh, see, everybody, Jeff, loves the World Series. Everybody loved how that went. I mean, not the final score. I don't. I don't. The intensity. I will say that not everybody loved the outcome, perhaps, but I think everybody could agree what an amazing game that was. Oh yeah. You have these two teams that are just battling to the death, so to speak, and uh, it made for great TV. Oh, and tomorrow's another night, right? Tomorrow we do it again. So exciting. And then again Saturday, and definitely again Sunday. That's but a lot knows? of that's a lot of ball. That's a if, weekend of but plus if, all the football. True. And a here a basketball game here and there. If one of those teams wins three in a row, that will end the series and they won't even have to go back to LA. Boy. It could be over by Sunday. What if the Strohs just ran the table? If the Strohs did that, I would have a stroke. The Strohs would stroke. Okay. Good to know. I'll be ready for Monday then. I may not be I if know. I had a stroke. Don't stroke. Okay. Don't stroke. Maybe just a, just maybe a little loss of consciousness would be fine. Um, hey, here's our hero story of the day. A hero breaks down the na- uh, a neighbor's door and pulls her to safety as a Bronx apartment goes up in flames. A courageous neighbor pried a woman from her Bronx apartment as her home was up in flames early Thursday. The blaze broke out on the fourth floor apartment around 2.45 a.m. and was extinguished about 45 minutes later. Jose Maldonado, 37 years old, said he was uh, she, he was walking home to his apartment two blocks away when he saw the smoke rising from the fourth floor of the six-story building. He said, I saw the house catching on fire and I knew the lady that lives up there, so I ran upstairs. On his way up, Maldonado shouted for neighbors to flee the building, banging on doors as he passed through the halls. He said he didn't uh, get an answer at the door uh, that the smoke was seeping from, and so uh, he kicked it in. Looked inside, saw her laying on the sofa. Maldonado then tried to pick her up and uh, got her out of the hallway. Eventually, she did have some burns, but um, uh, it looks like she's going to recover Um, And she wouldn't be alive, they say, if it wasn't for Jose Maldonado, the hero of the day on the Matt Townsend show. And that, my friends, is the show. That's that's all we can give you today. We'll be back again tomorrow morning. Sports Nation is up next.